Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here. Danny Mack is here. Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us here on uh, this Taco Tuesday morning on 101 ESPN. Taco Tuesday. You also made me really hungry for nachos just a minute ago before the show started. So when I used to come home late at night, when I was a nighttime person in my younger days, my metabolism was a little bit higher and I would stop (laughs) at 7-Eleven and get like a big old plate of nachos and uh, go home and watch a movie. And uh, it probably wasn't that great for me. And then Matthew just pointed out the nachos have all four members of the food group. And if you put like a protein, if you have chicken nachos with some jalapenos, yes, that adds your protein and fruit and vegetable. I'm cheese, sour cream on top of chips. Those are my nachos. Every Tuesday, are you Taco Tuesday at home? Not every Tuesday, Dan, but I think that that's an important thing. Uh, as an American, is to <laughs> at least involve yourself in Taco Tuesday at some level. Wish everybody a happy Taco Tuesday or partake. And partaking is wonderful. Will this be part of your Super Bowl pre, uh, pre-party? pre Nachos will be part of it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm putting together that uh, that menu right now. Nachos, uh, uh, some a little shrimp cocktail. Uh, going to do some uh, some barbecue. I don't know if I'm going to do Kansas City barbecue because I like good barbecue. Uh, and then, um, <laughs> what? Oh. Randy. Oh, did I, did I just say that out loud? I'm sorry. Uh, and then I, I'm not goner. sure. I'm going to do something sourdough, but I don't know what yet for San Francisco. But yes, mm. nachos are... Uh, uh, Michelle turned me on back in the day to sheet pan nachos. Those are really good. So oh, those I, are I do good. those, yeah. It's very uh, easy to just put together. So oh, yeah. nachos, I feel like wings are also a very important part of a Super Bowl party. Okay, maybe the text line can help us out. 314-399-96499. yo Back in the day, they used to have these Tyson tequila lime wings that were delicious. I can't find them anymore. And if somebody could help me out by finding some tequila lime wings in the metro area, I would love to be able to find them. Walmart. Do they have them? I think so. They've got just about every kind of uh, wing that you want. I would assume, though, you will not uh, partake in anything purchased from Walmart. Dan, this is a moral dilemma. (laughs) And I don't, uh, this is certainly not an affront to all of the local Walmart employees. This is an affront to somebody who is on the board of Walmart. So, yeah, it's, it's, why should I start now? It's been eight years. So, have you stepped into a Walmart since the Rams left? We're talking about Stan Kroenke and his family's, uh, affiliation with Walmart. I'm not over it. 
I'm not. And Target's great. I'm I'm a, I'm a Target dude. Have you ever asked Dick Vermeil if uh, just what he thought about leaving St. I know he's coming up, but yeah. just in general, what he thought about the whole thing? He was not happy about it. Yeah, uh, and I think most of the players weren't happy about it because this is, as Ricky Prohl said, Ricky played in Chicago, Ricky played in Indy, Ricky played in Carolina, Ricky played in Arizona, and played everywhere in the league. And he's from New York, and he says this is the best football town that he has ever been around. So, and he's not. He's no different. Kurt still says that. Uh, The people that were, uh, Isaac obviously feels that way. So people that actually played the sport know how great of a town was. And they know that we got screwed over. By the way, later on in the show, we are talking to Dick Vermeule at 9.15. And John Kelly will join us at 8.15. Plus Katie Wu at 8. Katie's on Wednesday, I think. Yeah, she so, is on Wednesday. Yeah, so the, she, Katie's on the show right now, but she's, uh, she's actually going to join us tomorrow. Uh, so here's what's here's what's uh, going on in the world of sports, kids. Uh, reportedly, the uh, UFL championship is going to be played here in St. Louis. Nothing official yet, but we're looking forward to uh, hopefully the Battlehawks playing a home game for the UFL championship. Uh, we're very excited about it. Now, this is very interesting because Martin Kilcoyne put this out on X last night where he formerly was talking Twitter. about formerly Twitter. Some people don't like that when you say that because we had people text him before saying, no, just say X, not formerly Twitter. But Either way, he tweeted out last night in regards to a lot of people bringing up the turf. Now, you guys, did you go to a Battlehawks mm-hmm. game last year? The turf was something that was very noticeable. Mm-hmm. Even when Mizzou came to town, it yeah. was something that was very, very noticeable. And supposedly the turf will not be ready in time for that championship. It will be ready later on in the summer. Should not have agreed to do the championship unless you were going to have a representative turf. You have to replace the turf. Yeah. It looks terrible on television. It's old. Guys could get hurt. We heard that with the Memphis-Missouri game, that it was like playing on concrete. You have to replace the turf. This is five months. You don't have – and by the way, you probably knew before yesterday that you were going to have the championship game. You can't get new turf in five months. Are you kidding me? We probably need to educate those out in the audience about the UFL. So we've got ten teams. Eight. I'm sorry, eight teams because it's Birmingham, Arlington, uh, the defenders are in there: Houston, Memphis, St. Louis, Michigan, San Antonio, mm-hmm. and Michigan uh, Panthers. Four teams qualify for the playoffs, with the two top teams in each division qualifying for the conference championship games, and then the championship will be in St. Louis. Caw-caw! It's a, uh, I think it represents what's you know that's known around the UFL, which is St. Louis is a very good football town. No doubt. You got so many kids playing in the NFL from this area. Yep. Uh, it's kind of an indictment on other people that didn't want to see football here in St. Louis. And it's representative of, of what football is like here in town. So the UFL championship to be here in St. Louis. Meanwhile, minor league football will have their championship this weekend in uh, in Vegas. Oh, the baby one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that Super Bowl or whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever they, that whatever is. They call it and super. just so <laughs> this is Martin's tweet that he had that he replied to somebody about asking about the turf. He said the dome will be getting new turf installed in late summer of 2024. I think it's been scheduled that way for a while. So with the championship taking place mm-hmm. in June, you could assume that it wouldn't be ready for this new season. Let's expedite. It's got to be. You yeah. could, I would assume. So yeah. the Battle Hawks will not be playing on new turf. No. It's got to be better than yeah. what it looks like on television and for the safety of the players. Yeah. And it's turf that has rarely been used for the last eight years. And wasn't that great when uh, it, the, the Rams were down the stretch here? Remember it burned one time? Yes. Yeah, it was not great. It no. burned one time? Yeah, yeah they, they were intro and the players and it caught fire. Yeah. 
delayed the game. <laughs> oh, wow. A sign of things to come. I don't like that. That's a bad omen, Dan. Yes, it was. Sign of things to come. So Super Bowl, uh, is it L? XVIII. Did I get it right there? We need to stop the Roman uh, Roman numerals and just say Super Bowl 50 whatever. 58. LVIII. Yeah. LVIII? Okay. So 58. Super Bowl 58 will be heard here on 101 ESPN on Sunday evening. Brock Purdy is the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. And in his second year, man, this is huge. He's playing in the Super Bowl. I mean,. The bottom line is, like, life isn't about you. Like, that's what I believe, you know. Um, being a part of something bigger than yourself, um, you know, you get wrapped up in getting all the glory and the fame and the status. It's I feel like that's a shallow life, and um, that, that can, you know, fade away pretty quickly. So, for me, it's, you know, obviously, yeah, we're playing the Super Bowl. I'm very honored and thankful. I want to win a championship for this organization. But more than anything, I'm, you know, trying to just serve my guys on this team well and, and love on them well and the whole organization and everyone in my life. That's, that's how I view it. So, Not? about you <laughs> how would you guys feel if he was a first or second round pick would we be talking about him being a game manager and just get the ball to the skilled players and he's got a little bit of running ability it'd be totally different he'd in be, my opinion dan he he would be comped to joe burrow i agree it's just he's Mr. Irrelevant, so people yep. are like, how is this happening with this guy that's not as talented? At, no, he is. Yeah. He's that good. He yeah. is. He's From very Iowa talented. Snake. For, oh, Iowa snake. Yeah. But I don't think that there's anything wrong with necessarily being a game manager. Isn't that essentially a big part of what you're supposed to do as a quarterback mm-hmm. is to be a good game manager? Throw it Especially to the guys. with the talent he's got. Yeah, throw, throw it to the guys that have the same color jersey as you do. That If that's game manager, give me one. <laughs> uh, now, I would say this. If you were going to take offensive players from the San Francisco 49ers, he would not be my first pick. CMC mm-hmm. would be my guy. Mm-hmm. I got to look at Trent Williams mm-hmm. protecting the QB. You got Ayuk, you got Debo, and then maybe Purdy. So yeah. that's why I guess he gets looked at the way he does. That's, so you agree with Cam Newton? What do you say? I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I just think that all five of these guys are extremely talented, and mm-hmm. it's sometimes at some point you got to give this guy credit for making plays. Absolutely. Meanwhile, the quarterback on the other side, Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs, he pays attention. He's a football fan and was asked about the rise of Brock Purdy. I've seen Brock play since he was in college and knew how good he was. Um, I watched him play. I watched the Big 12 a lot, so I watched him play a ton. And you, he was a winner, and he, he he made plays happen all through his college career. And usually when you can make it happen in college, no matter what your surroundings are, um, and to turn around a program like he did in Iowa State, you, you're going to make it happen when you get your opportunity in the NFL. So I wasn't very surprised whenever he's had the success that he's had because he's a winner and he's a guy that goes out there and competes. And uh, more than I've always said, more than a football player, you got to be someone that competes. Um, and he's one of those guys. I love Patrick Mahomes. I need Patrick Mahomes on Sesame Street talking to Elmo. I don't know why you say that. (laughs) Dan, that's so good. You sounded exactly like it. If if that happens, I just... I just need to, I need Kermit to come in like late in the skit as well, just to see which one which one is actually talking. Oh, I appreciate and Kermit. Rock, I mean, we're just trying to get the ball to some other guys and make this thing happen. <laughs> no. Yeah, Travis Kelsey was also at media night, and obviously he was tuned in on Sunday when his girlfriend Taylor Swift won a couple of more Grammys, and Kelsey was asked about Taylor Swift winning a couple of Grammys, including Album of the Year. She's uh, she's unbelievable. She's uh, she's rewriting the history books herself. Uh, I told her I'll have to hold up my end of the bargain and come home with some hardware too. <laughs> Good for Travis. They're so cute. Oh, that's the cutest Totes thing ever. Totes my goats.
Ador- yeah. adorbs, as we like to say here. Danny? Uh, I just I find him good for the game. I find her good for the game. Even Roger Goodell said that in his State of the Union address yesterday that uh, he thinks it's good. And he also, Travis Kelsey, said they should put the camera on her. Now, yeah. I don't know if she agrees with that. I'm sure she gets a little sick of the attention probably with all the camera shots in the suite and i wonder what the prop bet is for how many seconds or minutes that they put her on or how many times super bowl that's the other thing how many mm-hmm. times they cut to her yeah Ooh. there's no doubt that uh she'll wind up being a prop bet by sunday well she, will she be there is the big question she'll make it yeah absolutely she'll be able to make it by saturday night they need to find a parking spot but i'm thinking that she can just land hop off the plane and then the plane can go to la or whatever because they only have 475 <laughs> plane parking spots uh-huh. in vegas and they're all accounted for already so, i bet they save one for her well you'd think or just you know put her on a highway so she's in Tokyo, is that correct? Yes. yes. Three shows in Tokyo. Three shows in Tokyo yeah. and then makes it back to Vegas. Yeah. It can be done. It can. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it does. Meanwhile. Get the G5 and let yeah. it rip. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as we know here in St. Louis, the NFL, they lack their money. And uh, Roger Goodell did hold his State of the League address yesterday. I don't know why he just doesn't have a speech. As we mentioned during the show yesterday, it was a by-invitation-only event, and only the media that shows up on Monday goes, and most of the media, 90% of the media, shows up on Wednesday or later. But... Roger Goodell was asked a great question. This is a guy, Goodell, who has said publicly that he wants league revenues to reach $25 billion a year. A lot of people were ticked off by having a playoff game on Peacock. So Goodell was asked about that. How much money is too much money for the NFL to, you know, to try to get out of the little man? Well, this is developing platforms. Um, Just to be clear, this is developing a platform that a lot of consumers are on. A A lot of our fans are moving in that direction. Um, they're not just getting an NFL game. They're getting, a, you know, a value in the sense of five ninety nine. I think it was for a month of the service, and they could get it for thirty dollars, twenty nine ninety nine for a year. That's that's entertainment. That's where that's where people are going, right? They're looking for those opportunities to expand on the amount of content they can they can acquire through these platforms. That's ultimately good for the consumers, but it's important for us to be on those platforms because that's where consumers are, particularly the younger demographic. The question, I believe, was how much money is too much money for the little guy? And I don't believe that question was answered. No, he is really, really good at answering a question Mm -hmm. without exactly answering a question. Now, in the prior question, he was asked specifically more about Peacock. And with his answer to that... He said, we have to fish where the fish are. And then Tracy Wolfson followed up and she asked about the possibility of a Super Bowl being streaming only in the future. And he said, certainly not in my time. So that's at least a little bit encouraging if you're worried about the Super Bowl being only on a streaming platform. But when you also pair that with what he just said, it doesn't sound like that's out of the realm of possibilities. So where are the fish? If you're not going to put a Super Bowl on Peacock or whatever streaming service, but you say we have to fish where the fish are for playoff games. So where are the fish? Okay, because won't you have as many fish available for or more for the Super Bowl if you stream it than anywhere else? Don't you agree, though, in this realm, he is right. The younger audience is going to streaming. So you got to adapt with the times. I'm not saying you put the Super Bowl on it. You keep it linear, but you look at ways to make sure you keep the product there for the younger fans. You know, the the, the 15 and 20-year-olds pretty soon are going to be 35, 40, mm-hmm. and that's how they consume their, their products. Right. It, it, that's not wrong at all. But 
all you have to do is be honest about it. You're in it for the bucks. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, everybody's in business. So just go for your dollars. I thought it was more interesting about what he was saying about gambling. Mm, gambling yes. has yeah. become such a part of the NFL. And he was addressing that, talked mm-hmm. about it a lot. He talked about how they punished 25 non-player employees for gambling policy violations. So what? Because the rege- the reality is there's going to be so many bets made on this game on Sunday. It'll be the most betted game, if that's a word. Yep. But they'll they'll be playing bets all over the place. And not just in the United States. This is going to happen all over the world. A yep. uh, couple of notes from college basketball. Number one, Kansas State last night. <laughs> Wildcats. Wildcats. <laughs> Got it. Uh, overtime win. Overtime win over KU. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Have you guys been to a game at Allen Fieldhouse? No. No. It's worth it. Is it? It's pretty neat, especially if uh, K State beats them. Yeah, that's that's a tough loss for them. And uh, tomorrow night, SLU is in action against LaSalle. SLU against LaSalle. LaSalle. L A S A L L E. Slew against LaSalle. <laughs> so you're hoping for no, losses. I'm, I'm hoping for I, I wish we were, I wish we were playing Winthrop or does, George does Washington. Does win another game? No. I'm not sure they do with their schedule. Here you go, LaSalle. Really? You think the At rest La- of the schedule. Well, the one game I thought they could have won was over the weekend. Mm-hmm. That was the one. Yeah, right. Ken Palm agrees with you, yeah. by the way. The production uh-huh. for Ken yeah. Palm is L's across the board. Yep. LaSalle, yep. and then an homage to St. Joseph's for the oh, rest of the God, segment. Wow. Uh, at St. Joseph's. And then VCU at home, at Duquesne. Then you've got George Washington at home. Then you've got the Spiders. Ooh, the Spiders of Richmond uh, will be here. And then uh, at Rhode Island. And then uh, Dayton at home. Beat Dayton. Yeah, not this year. And then at St. Bo- Maybe at St. Bonaventure. Are you flying away right now? Have you ever been it's to the a uh, St. Joseph's? Joseph's uh, the mascot does it the entire game. game. Whole the game. Way, the I, whole game. That's also, a great arm workout. I discovered this the last time they played during the national anthem. He puts one wing over his heart and he keeps flapping the other <laughs> wing, which is bananas to me. <laughs> you great. do realize only the people on YouTube can see what oh, you're yeah. doing. So you, here's what you need to do, kids. <laughs> you need to join us on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam, brought to you by the Air Alliance Team. Just go to YouTube.com and type in 101 ESPN STL, and you can see me being the St. Joseph Eagle today. <laughs> and do it the whole show. Uh, no. that the St. Joseph's Eagle would. I can't. No. I, I that would hurt your shoulders. I haven't conditioned myself to it. It would kind of. Uh, I bet that, that yeah. he's ripped by the end of it. Oh, I would. And he does. You, you've got to like audition for the job. Yeah. To be the St. Joseph's Eagle. So there you go. So now you know via radio. Coming up, Joe Buck thinks the Blues should sell. Do you agree? That's next time. 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Sell. Sell. We're all... I, I love Armstrong. Well, I mean, let's see where they are. But, I mean, is it realistic to think that if they buy and give away younger assets or draft picks that they're still going to have enough to win a cup? I, I just don't think a couple of deals here or there or one deal is going to be make them a Stanley Cup winning contender. So keep building, keep getting better, getting younger. Hopefully Snuggerud comes along and, and he's phenomenal. They have pieces, but they, they have to they, they have to get younger in my opinion. 
That is a big-time blues fan and friend of the show, Joe Buck, yesterday here on 101 ESPN. And the question was, okay, when Doug Armstrong calls you near the deadline, what are you going to do? And Joe said, sell. And the point is extremely well taken. Does anybody in the room believe that if the Blues make a move at the deadline to buy, that they would be a Stanley Cup contender? No. 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 Second round at best. Yeah. Maybe you win a series and maybe you make some money off of it, but you have some UFAs coming up. Uh, You've got Scandella. You've got Oscar Sundquist, who's a really important part. I I would love to have Sonny back for next year. You've got Blay, Kapanen, maybe Butchnevich, who signed through next year. But if you can get value for those guys, value in terms of more picks for future goodness or greatness, I would be on board with that. My question would be, aside from Bucci, and maybe Scandella, is there a player among that group that a contending team is going to say, okay, that's the piece of the puzzle that will get us over the top at the end? Possibly you could argue Scandella and Kapanen. I think that they could be pieces that mm-hmm. if a team is really desperate and they believe that they need somebody to slot in, that you could say either one of those guys. But if I'm a team and I say I need to make the playoffs, make a deeper run, I'm asking for Buchnevich. Don't I owe it to my fans to try to get in? And you've talked and, about and it a lot. Financially, it means something to the club. Making the playoffs is a big deal for the Blues. And that's why I would be reticent if somebody called about Buchnevich because I don't think the Blues I, – I, I think that – Right now, they have to hope to be a playoff team. I'm not even talking about winning a series. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they have a chance of being a playoff team. As many struggles as Buchnevich has endured this year, I don't think they can be a playoff team if they take Buchnevich off the roster and don't add something. I think they can be a playoff team without Marco Scandella. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who wants these players? That's the key. If you're (laughs) one of the top ten teams all these names, who wants them? the, The one guy, because... The Blues, one year, they went out, remember when they got Mark, uh, Michael Delzato for defensive depth? I, I think Marco Scandella is a guy that for a team uh, that is in the hunt, that want, thinks it can win the Stanley Cup, I think he could be a six or a seven for for that team. And he's playing very well. Yeah, mm-hmm. he is. Uh, and I, I wouldn't get rid of him, but fourth line energy, we know that Oscar Sundquist can win a Stanley Cup. See, that's my guy. Yeah, that's that'd be somebody I think that teams would definitely want to to get just because of his grit. But we as we know, those guys are hard to find, too, especially now for whatever reason. It's hard to find that gritty, hardworking, fourth line energy guy. And if I had the choice, if I'm the Blues and I get a call about Oscar Sundquist, I'm more inclined to call his agent and say, hey, we'd like to keep you around, give you a two-year deal. I don't want to make that mistake again. I know that he's had an injury history, but I don't want to make that mistake of giving up Oscar Sundquist again. I, I like him too much. I do. I like Oscar Sundquist as well, but at the same time, if you're trying to decipher if you're buyers or sellers right now, what do you do in this situation? Because I do believe that they could, like you said, Dan, make it into the first round, make it maybe pass the first round. But I'm looking at the reason why is because of goaltending is the biggest thing. Well, Bennington has got the fifth most saves right now in the NHL. So if you look at the analytics of this team, they are not pretty. They're not very good. No. However, in January, they go 8-4-1. and one. And their power play was way better, 26%. I mean, there's some things that I look at to get them into the playoffs. And I do think the the final stretch of games, you know, you didn't make it last year. You give fans something to look forward to for next year. And if you're trading some of these players, I mean, what round of picks are you really truly going to get? Yeah, you're looking at – well, first of all, 
let's be realistic and fair here. They got Kapanen on waivers last year. Kapanen's not going to get you any value at all, right? Sammy Blay, he can't even make your lineup. No. And, and you've been a bad team for a lot of the years. A lot of the years. So uh, those two guys are are out. So that leaves Butchnevich, Sunquist, and Scandella. I want to keep Sunquist. So that gives me to Scandella and Butchnevich. I've got to get a premium pick for Butchnevich. I still me think too. he's not the best player on my team, but he's the most gifted player on my team. He has the potential to be the best player on my team. So I want a premium for him. So that, that leaves Scandella. So if I'm going to sell, because uh, with Scandella, I've got Matt Kessel playing now. Uh, I, I've still got young defensemen that I think have a chance to ascend. And depending on the Perunovic injury, I'd like to see more of him. But uh uh, and Tucker, I, I would I, the the only real move I see for me is moving Scandella. And you also have to balance the future as well with a lot of these decisions. Jimmy Snugrud is right around the corner. Snuggie. Where will he be? And here's another thing, because I think the Blues' third line should be their fourth, a fourth line, not their fourth line, but I, I think that they have two fourth lines playing right now. Snuggerud has to come up. You need a top nine. You don't need a top six and a bottom six. You need a top nine. And to me, Snuggerud somewhere next year fits into your top nine. Do you want him to come up this year potentially and just get beat up and suffer through a bunch of losses and not have a chance to make a difference because some of the players that would be surrounding him aren't here? No. I mean, that's something to think about, too. Right. And I think my preference would be to bring him up for that 11-game trial like Petro had. And if he plays more than 11 games, then he's got to stay. But if he plays 11 or fewer, then you can send him to the A. Right. Evaluate him next year at the beginning of the season. I would, I, and, training camp would do that. Yeah. Yes. And, and you, you can sign him and send him to the A when Minnesota's knocked out. I just wonder what... I'd have to wonder what I possibly or truly could get for some of the players that are on this roster. It's not a deep roster, as we've talked about. As you mentioned, Randy, I mean, some of the guys on the third line would be fourth liners on other teams. Sunquist would be the guy that I think would draw attention just because if you're a team that you expect to go deep in the playoffs, you need grit, and he'd give you that. Yeah, and the other day on the fast line, Doug Doug Armstrong did say they'd probably be neutral, right, When, when asked about what the Blues would do at the deadline. Probably neutral uh, is, is where I would see it. If we stay here now, we, we've added we've added young assets. We have good young players. Uh, what we want to do is continue to build to that. You know, the players will dictate a little bit on what we do, but I, I don't think that there's any one trade that, that's going to make us favorites. So let's say we get into to the wild card spot as a, a favorites against the number one seed in the Pacific, or the number one seed in the Central. So you you want to be as competitive as you can, but you want to be realistic in what you're doing. Uh, with that being said, you know you never know in the NHL what what's going to happen and what trade might come up. It could be a it could be a couple of uh, a younger prospect for somebody that's got some term, and, and you look at doing that too. So I'm not really sure exactly what's going to go on, but also we're we're not in a position we were, let's say, from 2012 to 2020, where we're using first round picks for immediate success. That that immediate success was hoping to get us a Stanley Cup. And it's not now. By the way, I do think if there is an opportunity, and has been over the last half dozen years, the best opportunity for an 8-1 upset would be this year if Vancouver winds up winning. I think Vancouver is the most vulnerable number one seed in the last what, number of years. I thought Vegas was better. I thought Colorado was better. Uh, it, it's really hard to be, and I don't want to take anything away from Vancouver, but I, I don't really trust Vancouver either mm-hmm. as a number one seed. Especially how they played against the Blues. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> I mean, that's maybe a yeah. recency bias with that too. Yeah. 
That is a look at the Blues. And coming up next year on 101 ESPN, Super Bowl 58 will be heard here on 101 ESPN on Sunday. But if you're watching, how often will you see Taylor Swift? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Hetman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed you can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The attention's there because the the audience wants to see it. I mean, if it, if people didn't want to see it, they wouldn't be showing it. I know that. So I think uh, you know she's a world star. Um, uh, uh, she's the 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 quintessential you know artist right now in the world. Singer songwriter, immensely talented, an unbelievable role model for young women uh, across the globe. So I think that um, the NFL would probably be foolish not to um, you know show her and and show what um, you know be a role model for for all the young girls out there. That is Jason Kelsey talking about Taylor Swift, who happens to be dating his brother, Travis Kelsey, Brooke, Dan and Randy here. And we are talking about the whole Taylor Swift saga. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And should the NFL television partners really show Taylor Swift as much as possible? Do you guys agree with that or not? Well, from a business standpoint, uh, according to Apex Sports Marketing, she has generated $331.5 million in brand value for the NFL. So I'm sure that the NFL owners are saying, yes, they should. She has brought an entire generation of fans to the NFL this year that they didn't have before. They are cultivating a fan base of young women that they didn't have before. And Jason Kelsey was talking about that uh, in those young girls, 12 to 17, that are watching football that weren't disposed to watching football before. And here's the most important thing. She is an empowering figure for young girls and young women. And if people have daughters, I would think that they would want their daughters to see somebody who looks like them, who's a fan in the stands, who you can relate to. I've run across on social media so many 
men who have found Taylor Swift to be a bonding agent because they both have become Mm -hmm. NFL fans, father, daughter. And I don't know why. Well, uh, I do know why, but uh, I, I think it's a wonderful thing that families, fathers, daughters are able to bond over the NFL. And it's because of Taylor Swift. I see no downside whatsoever. Do you guys really think, though, that this keeps young girls watching the NFL beyond this year? If Taylor Swift is not on there, does it really matter? My daughter's 26 and loves football. She loves football. But she's an outlier maybe for some. But uh, there are, uh, I know a lot of women that are big oh, football fans. And yeah. I think what you're doing, and it's what every sport needs to do, you're cultivating a, a young fan base of 15-year-olds that you hope will be there at 25. There's certainly a segment of that group that because Taylor Swift introduced them to the NFL is going to like the sport. Why do people melt down over this? I don't know. They're because just I think melting they want down to. over this. Because I think that they see, kind of to your point, Dan, of if there's going to be a certain group of people who weren't interested in the in football and the NFL before, will they stick around anymore? That's what and I maybe mean. that's what it is, is that you don't think that they will mesh together. And maybe that's what it is, is that people think like, okay, I don't want this whole music, like girly pop thing coming over and taking over my NFL. Brooke, it's not just that. And I'm sure that you have gotten these missives, whether email or social media. There are old men out there that don't want girls talking about their sports, right? I don't I don't want a woman talking about sports. She can't teach me anything. Hey, you've run into that, right? I see it. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So that's part of it, too. <laughs> oh, I don't want any women interfe- interfering with my sports. Uh, that is part of it. It's a really shallow troglodyte group out there that, for whatever reason, can't stand the idea unless it's a cheerleader on the sideline. Uh, have a, a female talking about sports with them when there's a very strong likelihood, well, not, it's a certainty, an absolute certainty that women on ESPN know a whole hell of a lot more about sports. Brooke Grimsley knows a whole hell of a lot more about sports than you do. And I understood that going into this profession. I understood that there would be some backlash for that. And it's not my job to try to convince someone all of a sudden that they should believe women in sports. And I like in general that we are seeing more women in sports, whether of course there's women playing sports, but now you have more women who are not just in those sideline roles, but in various different roles. You're seeing that continuing to happen. You see them in Coaching jobs, even in the NFL, you're seeing that grow. So I think there's a lot of positives with that. And I just thought of a funny story. And this happened a long time ago, very early on in my career. I was at MMJ in Arkansas and I was shooting a baseball game. And there was a man that came up to me and he said, hey, you you should be on the dugout because in Arkansas, they have dugout cheerleaders. Uh He said, you should be on the dugout, not covering sports. And that was just one instance of things that I've heard throughout my career. But I understand that I'm very lucky and blessed to be able to do this. But it's part of the territory where you still have some people who want to say, no, this isn't for women. You shouldn't be in this. Dan, you have teenage daughters. What's the Swift effect been like in your house? Uh, I think if it's on, which it is on Sundays, and I say, hey, there's Taylor Swift, they might stop and watch. Mm -hmm. Are they going to stick around and watch a football game? They don't. Okay. So, so I, that's my question is, will some people, will they be able to get some 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old girl to say, uh, you know what, I'm going to stick around and watch the football game, maybe because I, I can see Taylor Swift again. Mm-hmm. Like my girls, we went to Nashville to go see yeah. Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. You know, so would they stick around and watch a football game? Probably not. But if they knew she was going to pop up on TV... 
they might. And here's the way I would look at it if I were the NFL. If you have 100,000 12 to 17-year-old females that tune in to watch because Taylor Swift is there, and 1,000 of those 100,000 become hardcore NFL fans, you win. You, you, you've got 1,000 fans that you didn't have before. It's also why during uh, national sporting events, they shoot the crowd. There's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, yeah. It's not just about Taylor Swift. It's because you want to see it. Was, it. was the all-time greatest Cameron Diaz feeding popcorn to A-Rod? Exactly. You know, <laughs> They actually make a point on the NBA Finals to go around and yeah. show. Here's, yeah. And they, mm-hmm. they font them at the bottom with the logo. And there's Billy Joel. There's Jack Nicholson. There's... X. Well, and look at how many times Joe on Fox, Fox had a new show coming up. So during the World Series, there's the cast of the new show starting, what, November 20th or whatever on on Fox. Well, and it has generated a lot of conversations, even on podcasts that typically wouldn't talk about pop culture. You're seeing Pat McAfee talk about it. You're even hearing Bussin' with the Boys is one of my favorite podcasts out there with Taylor Wan and Will Compton, two former Titans players. And Taylor Wan has even fully gotten into this whole Taylor Swift thing. And he even got into a conspiracy theory about why Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are meant to be. Hey, can I tell you something about Taylor Swift? You know what her favorite number is? Nope. Her favorite number is 13. You know what Super Bowl this is? Super no. Bowl 58. What's 5 plus 8? 13. If Taylor Swift makes this game, it'll be her 13th appearance at a Chiefs game. This is the date of this Super Bowl is 211. What's 2 plus 11? 13. Now she has to be in Tokyo like you said. Do you know what the time duration is from Tokyo to Las Vegas, Nevada? 13 hours. The 49ers. What's 4 plus 9, by the way? 13. The 49ers 13. Are, are what seed? The 13th seed. No, they're the 1 seed. <laughs> <laughs> they're the 1 seed. What are the Chiefs? The 3. The 3 seed. What number is that? 13. And if you were to take 13 away from 100, what would you get? You would get 87. Now, you might think that's written in the stars. I've got the 49ers winning this game, and I've got them covering. <laughs> now, I like how he bamboozled us at the end, but still, this is the reason why I like the Taylor Swift conversation. One, I'm not exactly a full-on Swifty. I appreciate her music and her abilities and her talent, but I also enjoy the conversations that this has really brought up mm-hmm. around the NFL. I think it's a lot of fun. Taylor one breaking that down, that was hilarious. What do you think uh, it's around a Thanksgiving Day table as opposed to what you're going to get on Sunday? You know what I mean? Like your family's together. Yeah. What mm-hmm. is the, the conversation like from Thanksgiving dinner with your family to watching the Super Bowl and, and the attention given to one particular subject, which will be Taylor Swift? Yeah, it's it, it changes the dynamic, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. And now it's we've, we've got more reasons. You know, people there's a lot of people that watch the Super Bowl only because of the commercials. Well, now there are people that are going to tune in to watch Taylor Swift. They're going to see the commercials, too, and see how much the NFL, the product can uh, compel them. I agree. I I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for the NFL, and I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the conversations surrounding it, and I think that it's endgame for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Do you guys believe that? Yes. So... Three one four says I've been listening for fifteen minutes and it's been nothing but Taylor Swift. That's the problem. No, that's actually what people are talking about. How many times are they going to show her? Do you like her? Should they show her? That's part of what this game is about, whether you like it or not. It's fun. Yeah, it's part of the fun of it, of the conversation of it. And by the way, there were uh, some women that went to one of the Chiefs' playoff games, a really cold one. 
Taylor Swift gave them her scarf. Did you see she leaned no, out? No, I didn't see that. It's a, a little uh, gift store called Collections by Joya, and they've developed a, a line of Taylor Swift-inspired gifts, and they're doing really well from a business standpoint. There's a a vintage store in Kansas City that she bought a shirt from that is doing exceptionally well. She is fantastic for business. Let me give you one other quick anecdote. And this is, it's an older story, but a woman in St. Louis, uh, a runner got hit by a car. Uh, This was 10 years ago and they didn't think she was going to live. And now she's running marathons. But Taylor Swift visited her while she was unconscious in a hospital room in Charlotte and left her cardigan there as just a a gift to, uh, and this woman has been inspired by it. Her family has been inspired by it. And uh, she just does things off the radar that you don't think about. Apparently she's just a really exceptionally good person. By all accounts, she's supposed to be wonderful. Yeah. Behind the scenes and does a ton for charity and things of that nature. She's a billion dollar international superstar. Of course, they're going to show her on the game. Yeah. And collections by Joya, by the way, and Webster Groves. Congratulations to Betsy uh, Nacrelli and Beth Vansel. They own and operate the jewelry store and they had their little interaction with uh, with Swifty. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's so sweet. And, and got a scarf out of it. Aww. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo ho. Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. All right, get your text in now. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it. <laughs> oh, no. I'm Ooh. sure we'll have more YOHOs we, coming we, up. We will. Yo, all right, I'll give it to you. Yo-ho. Well done. I thought you would do the Kermit version. Or, no, no, no. No? Okay. No. Uh, guys, did you see that the 49ers who are practicing at UNLV think that the turf is too soft there? And they were actually considering flying back to Santa Clara to practice there this week. But they decided, now, okay, we'll practice on this turf. Take it or leave it. Before the game, the 49ers suffer, suffer a practice injury because of the turf at mm. UNLV. Ooh. Apparently, they put the turf on top, the grass turf on top of... Artificial, artificial turf. Brilliant. So it's gotten very soft in how they, I guess, try to plant and make moves and all that good stuff. I'm going to leave it. I don't think anybody gets hurt because at this point, you're pretty much going through some walkthroughs. Mm-hmm. But you still have to cut. You, get, you know, some of these uh, patterns that they're going to be running, you got to cut left, cut right. Hope everybody stays safe. They are comparing the turf to MetLife Stadium, which was a disaster and caused two major injuries for the 49ers a couple of years ago. That's why they're really worried about it. But I think the league probably said, no, stay here. So that's, that's what they're really doing. concerning. They were actually considering going over to the Raiders facility and changing their schedule and practicing at the same place, the same venue that the Chiefs are practicing at. Makes sense. I think every venue should be grass. As yeah. much as you have inve- like MetLife Stadium, mm-hmm. as much as you invest in these athletes, give them oh, the yeah, best right. possible chance yeah. not to blow out an Achilles or hurt a knee. But one of the problems you have in Vegas is water shortage. Yep. So it's it's hard to grow grass, and that's why I think Barry Odom and UNLV have the, the turf practice facility. 
So take it or leave it, guys. On the Athletic Football Show, NFL insider Diana Rossini was asked about why Mike Vrabel hasn't landed a head coaching job. She said that one of the reasons why is that a GM at the Senior Bowl mentioned his physical build, that he's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to people in an organization that are going to be a part of these decisions. Take it or leave it, guys. There's a bigger reason why he's not landing a head coaching job, pun intended. Uh, I, I'm going to leave. That's ridiculous. I don't care if he's seven foot five and 500 pounds. If he can coach, bring him in. He can win. What Let about Dan Campbell? He's, he's a very intimidating presence. Yes. Perfect Physical example. Presence. Vrabel, 6'4", 260. Campbell is uh, 6'5", 265. Seemed to work for him. Yeah. And when Vrabel was uh, winning, it didn't bother anybody. No, it didn't. No, I, I would think that. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to I'm going to take it that there is a bigger reason. He's from the Belichick tree, and he wants power. And general managers, and owners, and scouts, and people in the organization that have their little uh, their, their little piece of turf, they don't want to give that up. No, I take it more as that he's a very intimidating presence. Mm-hmm. Definitely wants to do probably things his way, as you're mentioning, like Bill Belichick. And people don't want maybe a tyrant to come in mm-hmm. and run things the way that they want. They want more of a collaboration. I think it's very interesting that the Titans kept saying they wanted a collaboration with their mm-hmm. new head coach. I think it was clear that there was something going on behind the scenes there with him and the Titans. And by the way, let's not leave out, because we always say, well, he's a Belichick disciple. He's also an Urban Meyer disciple. So there's a couple of really power-hungry guys that he worked for. Take it or leave it. Uh, Caitlin Clark, as you guys and Randy mentioned, I have Mm -hmm. uh, two daughters, so we may pay attention more to this than Taylor Swift. But Caitlin Caitlin Clark from Iowa has scored 3,462 points, 66 away from the women's all-time record. So take it or leave it. We aren't paying enough attention to this record-setting season. Ooh, I'm going to take it. Now, I will say that she has been getting... A fair amount of coverage, but I think that it should be a bigger topic about how she's really changing the game even more she, so. Yeah, she's got a chance to get Pete Maravich, too, which is 3,667 points. So she's got a chance to set the all-time college basketball record. And if you haven't watched, and I confess, I, I watch the highlights. I, I don't watch Iowa games on a regular basis. But she's hitting Steph Curry threes, yes. yeah. right? She's it's not just she, she's not just po- posting up and she's not shooting from the line. She is shooting thirty five footers and yes. they're going in. It's unbelievable, and I, I enjoy watching her. And the the places that she goes, wherever they go, the the venue is packed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a good thing for college basketball, not just women's, but all college all basketball. College I'm going to take it for that too. Just also, I don't know if you have seen it. Some of the games, there's always opponents who are trying to get under her skin, mm-hmm. and she never gets shaken. No. Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's fun, it's fun to watch. All right, Matthew is already smiling about the text line. What do you got for us, sir? Take it or leave it. This year will be the most watched by a wide margin. Okay, last year was the most watched with 115 million viewers. Oh, I'm going to take 120. it. Hmm? It breaks 120. I, I would say, yeah, I'm going to take that too. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it, but why Why elevate? I guess I, you know, one of the things that was interesting from Roger Goodell, he said in the final month of the season, 70% of the games came down to the final possession. Mm-hmm. It's the best huh. television you can watch. Yeah, it's reality TV at its finest. Yep. Almost perfectly scripted. 
Brooke. <laughs> oh, sorry. I think We're Glee, not supposed to talk about that, are we? I think Gleek parody is probably the least talked about thing when we talk about the explosion of the NFL across the yeah. last 20 years about why it's why it's been so good. Is Gleek parody has been pretty incredible when you compare it to the other sports. Uh, take it or leave it. Whether by expansion or relocation, the NFL will eventually return to St. Louis. It might, but not in my lifetime. Not mine. Okay, so I'll, let's assume that I live for 30 more years. It's not going to be around in my lifetime. In my personal opinion, once the lawsuit happened and it was settled in St. Louis 1, I knew that that would spell the end of the NFL possibly returning here. I don't think that it could be completely out of the question, but you know how the NFL is. They definitely hold a grudge. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that seem like that would make it hard for them to want to come back here? It would. And let's be realistic here, okay? And we all love our community, right? We love it. But if you're the NFL and you look at a region with diminishing population. You look at a place that you don't know who to negotiate with because you, you've got the city and the county. You've got financial issues that both are dealing with. And you've got cities that they've literally passed us by. Why would you come to St. Louis? Fortune 500 companies have left. Mm-hmm. That would be a problem from the corporate standpoint. If, if you took away the lawsuit and the $700 million that the, the city got from uh, the NFL, it would make sense to be here because of yes. the television market and the ratings. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't matter because there's burned bridges along the way. Take it or leave it, Randy is going to live well beyond the 30 years that he just threw out there. I'm going to take that, Randy. You keep yourself in great <laughs> shape. It. Don't say that. You're going to live a long time, man. I don't know, Dan. I think so. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. So we'll you're see. leaving it, and I'm taking oh, yeah, it. Yeah. Well, you know, COVID's on the rise again. Stop. He does this every oh, once in a while where he'll be like, well, I won't be around for that. I'm like, don't I'm say saying. that. Don't say that. Please don't. All right, Matthew, what do you got? This is great. Uh, and the NFL is a copycat league. So is the entertainment business. Take it or leave it. Agents and or artists will steal the playbook from Taylor and actively manufacture relationships for publicity. You're telling me they haven't been doing that I'm, I'm going to take it, but there's only one biggest star on the globe. So anything aside from Taylor Swift is going to be a step down, right? Oh, for sure. I'm trying to think. That's a great question. I was trying to think, like, who is the next in the rung of great stars right now that if and they might be at the Super Bowl, but how many times would you see them shown in the game? One time. Mm-hmm. One time. Yeah. Now that's because of her relationship with Travis Kelsey. But I don't know. I don't know who that next person is. Beyonce. But she's got Jay-Z. There you go. Yeah. She's Jay-Z. Meg Stallion. Oh, I don't know if she's there yet, but she is very popular. She's currently popular. There's, she hasn't I mean, reached that mecca of Taylor Swift and yeah. Beyonce. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, but Beyonce's got Jay-Z. And I'm, I'm trying to think who's... Uh, there's no one in those tiers. You got to drop below another no. tier. Hmm. There's, not no. a, uh, there's not another person in those tiers. Yeah, this is I'll kind ponder of a one-off. I'll ponder yeah. this. Is there, there's not an actress right now. Uh... Uh, I don't think there's another person in entertainment that can match the Taylor Swift effect. She sold out 66 NFL stadiums, 66 shows at NFL stadiums, 70, 80,000 seat stadiums during the summer. And worth over a billion dollars from concerts and what she's done. Okay. I mean, that's a lot. If you think about billionaires, then I guess one of the Kardashian Jenners. If they entered back oh, into the sports been there, done that. sphere, yeah, like that. I, we, like, we again, it's that. not a new, it's not a novelty. No, it's not. Now my search Marilyn- history is going to be so weird because I'm googling single actresses, single yeah. musicians. Yeah, <laughs> who, um, who was it that who who did 
Kim Kardashian most re- oh was Pete Davidson, uh, so, but she has no qualms. She's in her forties, right? Yeah, but she has no qualms about finding a twenty-two, twenty-three-year-old guy and uh, an athlete. And dating. here's here's why this this comparison just won't ever work is because it took sixty years for it to ever hit the level of yeah. Joe DiMaggio in Maryland, and so and, and, and so that's the comparison. And it took there like. People have been texting about Romo and Jessica Simpson. That's not even a blip on the radar no. compared to what we're getting right now with Travis and Taylor. It's, it's not comparable. It's, it took 60 years for it to happen. No, Jeter and Mariah Carey was probably the last one, right? But Jeter was the superstar there. Well, Jeter dated about every single big uh, actress, singer that you could think of. He's got a resume, man. His LinkedIn page is... Because <laughs> he, he was LinkedIn, baby. Oh, man. <laughs> the, the, the best all-time story before we... Uh, oh, no. Yeah, no, no the, uh, I think, okay. uh, did I tell you this one? The Rick, I told you the Rick Riley. It's, I've told it a million oh, okay. times. It's great. Rick Riley, Sports Illustrated, asked Jeter if he can go through his fan mail. And Jeter says, yeah, no problem. Because he's got a whole couple of lockers in, in Yankee Stadium full of fan mail. And so Riley opens one up. He's going through, and you know he's gone through a hundred, and he gets to one where it's got perfume and it's got a picture of a beautiful woman, and it says Derek, call me, uh, with the you know the heart and everything, and it smells great. And it's as it turns out, it's Miss Universe. And Riley goes over to Jeter and says, "Hey, Derek, you got to see this." What is what is it, man? Looks at it, hands it back to him, and uh, Rick Riley says, "Derek." Miss Jeter wants to, or uh, Miss Universe wants to date you. She's giving you her phone number. You've got to call her. And Jeter, deadpan. Dude, I've been down that Miss Universe road before and I'm not going back. (laughs) (laughs) How many people can say that? Not many, (laughs) if any. No, not at all. Uh, Thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, should the Cardinals pursue Jordan Montgomery again? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Six in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley, Danny Mack, Randy Carricker, and uh, Ben Fredrickson of stltoday.com and of scoopswithdannymack.com wrote recently at stltoday.com that there have been assumptions that Jordan Montgomery is just waiting to sign a contract that sends him back to the World Series champion Texas Rangers as soon as that team's TV broadcast money gets sorted out for the season. Maybe. Ben goes on to write at stltoday.com, there have been assumptions Montgomery Montgomery could have to settle for less than expected because of his ongoing weight. Not buying that. Super agent Scott Boris represents Montgomery and fellow free agent Blake Snell. Boris is known for waiting, 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 and then landing his clients big deals. And the Cardinals can afford big deals for the right guys. They did for Sonny Gray. They could for Montgomery. The Cardinals can afford whatever they decide their self-imposed payroll can embrace. It's not a salary cap. It's never a salary cap. We're not talking Shohei Otani dollars here. Brooke Dan, do you like the idea of the Cardinals signing Jordan Montgomery? Right now? Yes. Him signing. Uh, for the 2024 season. Not doesn't have to be today, but uh, when he deems himself uh, ready to sign. And by the way, we're talking four years, let's say four years, $110 million. Oh, I think it'd be way more than that. I do too, but I'm just throwing out there a budget okay. number. I here's the thing is that I would like to see him back because Randy yesterday where you're talking about Sonny Gray and his size, Jordan Montgomery 
has that size. Mm-hmm. He's a bigger guy. I also liked seeing what he did during the postseason. I think that's another reason why his price is probably going to be a little bit higher than what you see. I wouldn't mind having him back. I think that he would be a great addition. And would you, though, put him in front of Sonny Gray? Would he be your number one guy? Would he be your ace? That's a great question. Probably on opening day because of the excitement surrounding Gray. The Cardinals have told us we're more excited about getting Sonny Gray than Jordan Montgomery. But you get to a playoff series, it very well could be Jordan Montgomery starting a playoff series for you. Sure. And would I love him? Yeah, I'd love to have him in that rotation because that means I probably can bounce Steven Matz to my bullpen, Mm -hmm. which is something that would be uh, advantageous for the Cardinals. And the one thing I look at, and by the way, the Rangers have like eight free agents that they're mm-hmm. holding off with because of the TV deal. Um, less than 80 players, by the way, have signed deals this offseason. It, it's wow. been really slow in Major League Baseball. But the the one team that I look at as a comp would be Aaron Nola. He, he got seven years, 172. He's 30. Montgomery's 31. So would he get a, and I'm sure Scott Boris is trying to get him a, a seven or a six year deal and I wonder if that's turning teams off but for the immediate he would be a perfect fit to this rotation perfect I agree yeah and if you are willing to let him pitch if you're willing to let him go beyond 100 pitches I believe that he can be that horse that we're talking about he's already had his Tommy John he's been mm-hmm. healthy now for three years he wants to pitch every time you see the Ollie come out 99 100 pitches you see the frustration on Jordan Montgomery's face let him pitch let him pitch so let him throw 115 pitches let him throw 120 and see if this 66 230 pounder can be the horse that a lot of us think he is yeah I, and he could be a horse for sure I think that he can be. I think one of the things that I also liked a lot about Jordan Montgomery is, don't you remember his quote from last season too, when he was very frustrated with how things were going with the Cardinals in general? He said, I'm not a loser. Mm -hmm. And then he went on to be a winner when he moved over to the Rangers. He posted a 2.90 ERA across 31 innings and six playoff games, five starts for him. And he also had tremendous, remember those tremendous outings against the Rays and the Houston Astros during that stretch. I think that he's a guy where you saw that performance. I want that guy in my starting rotation. And oh, by the way, you mentioned last year in the postseason, in his career, eight playoff games, 37 and two-thirds, he's got a 2.63 career earned run average in the playoffs. And he also pitched with the Yankees. Under pressure. Yeah, the biggest stage that you possibly can have. But going for the immediate, if if you're giving me the option of a long-term deal or just for the immediate, he's a perfect fit for the Cardinals. Yeah. But you can't get him like that. No, you're going to have to go long term. And he, like we said, he's 30. So you probably have to give him a five or a six year deal, probably. But you only have Lynn and Gibson for a year mm-hmm. if you want them for a year. And Michaelis, I believe. Well, no, he signed. I think he's had the two, two more years. Yeah. Right. So if you project and as we mentioned before, Mo and DeWitt are looking four or five years ahead rather than next year. That's something that you should be able to fit into your payroll. So if he has a seven-year deal, do you want the back end of that deal with a 38-year-old? I want to try to win a World Series. That's that's where I am right now. I, I, I'm done with worrying about seven years down the road. I, I want to try to win a World Series. Sure. Because you have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, yeah. and they're yeah. not getting any younger, so you have to make some of those moves yeah. and those pieces now. Now, this is, of course, you can't go back in time and change things, but every once in a while I think about this. <laughs> Do you guys wish that they would have, during spring training last year, worked on an extension with Jordan Montgomery to keep him? 
I wonder if behind the scenes they did. And then when Montgomery said at the start of the season, once the season begins, I'm not, I'm not talking. And a lot of time, and especially when he's represented by Scott Boris, you know what? That's that's tough to handle. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to deal with him, and he's the best agent in the sport. Well, Jordan Montgomery did say in spring training last year that they hadn't approached him about extension talks yet, but he would be open to it. So I think when you hear that, of course, we there could be way more behind the scenes. Maybe they did approach Scott Boris and Boris said, no, you know who I am. We're going to go yeah. hit free agency, free agency here. Yeah. But at the same time, I just think about what if if they could have landed him last season and got to that extension yeah. working with him. I just think it's a moot point because Boris was taking everybody to free. He's still got yes. four guys in free agency yeah. right now. He, he takes everybody to free agency. One other point, by the way, about the Cardinals looking ahead. Yesterday, Bobby Witt of the Royals signs a $288 million extension, 11 years, $288.8 million. Again, another template set for the Cardinals in dealing with Jordan Walker. It's only going to get more expensive, right? Uh, so the, the Cardinals, I would hope, when, when we talk about looking into the future, are on signing Jordan Walker to this massive extension because that's all it's going to be. He's not going to get any cheaper for them. As a 21-year-old, I don't think enough people have paid attention to just how good his season was. And it, what takes away from it was when he was sent down and they looked at launch angle and various things they wanted to work on. Going back to Kansas City, though, they have spent $110 million in free agency. They've got Seth Lugo, Michael Waka, Will Smith, Chris Stratton, mm-hmm. Hunter Renfro, Adam Frazier, Garrett Hampson. This is a much better team on paper. Mm-hmm. Now, the team has a February 29th deadline to reveal the site location for a proposed new ballpark. And I'm sure that's part of what's going into this is that, hey, look at us. We're spending money. We just mm-hmm. locked up the face of the franchise. <clears throat> and as we move forward with a new ballpark, Uh, We're trying to do things right, so get behind us. Makes sense. I agree. Now, with Jordan Walker, and I agree with you guys, I think that they should lock him in, especially with how young he is. He's 21 years old, Bobby Witt Jr., 23. Would you give it another year if you're the Cardinals, or do you do it this spring training if you can? I would have done it last spring training. Before he played a major league game, I would have uh, tried to lock him up. I wonder if they did try that. It was something I threw out there, and and I have no background information on this. This It's just me throwing out there. I wonder if they did approach him and his representation and said, you know what, there's a couple of guys that have done this before in terms of um, before they play a, a major league game of locking them up long term. Mm-hmm. And as you said, Randy, the price is only going to go up as they move forward. Yep. Here's why I would do it right now and not wait a year. On August 26th of 2022, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners signed a $210 million contract, $11 million, $210 million. Almost exactly 18 months later, Witt is at $290 million. So uh, that's why I say it's only going to go sure. up. $80 million more in 18 months. So what's it going to be in another 18 months, right? Another $100 million. So uh, at that point, because you've got the Otani contract sitting out there, you've got the Trout contract still sitting out there. You've got uh, Soto coming up in 18 months. Soto will have signed. So if you're a young player, you are looking well north of three. You're, you're, you're looking at Mookie Betts money. You're looking at 350 if you're Jordan Walker 18 months from now. He could have a monster season, too. I, I was looking at his numbers in the final two months. He had an OPS plus of 125. Mm-hmm. So 25 plus above the average. Lee Norm is 100. 
I'm telling you what, man, this guy's got a chance to be a superstar. Yep. And as you mentioned, Randy, for the third time, I'll say it, the price only goes up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Price of business only goes up. That's today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk a little blues hockey with our buddy John Kelly, TV voice of the blues on Bally Sports. And then the fight at the bottom of the hour. And then coming up at 915, our friend, our coach, Dick Vermeil here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. And I'm Randy Carriker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The Blues won't be back in action until Saturday. And uh, we'll see how everything goes with uh, the Blues returning to action in Buffalo at noon on Saturday. That's an ABC game. And then uh, John Kelly and uh, the crew from Valley Sports will be back at it from Montreal at noon on Sunday. So back-to-back games on the weekend, back-to-back day games on the weekend for the Blues. John Kelly joins us now here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Hey, Randy, how are you? Good. How's your break going? It's going well. The weather's great. Uh, getting some R&R and stuff like that. So everything's going well. Nice. That's great to hear, John. Well, I wanted to ask you about, as we reflect on the first half of the season for the Blues, as we get back from the All-Star break, we've seen a lot of highs and lows from the Blues and a lot of great play from the likes of Robert Thomas, Colm Pareko, and Jordan Bennington. But who would be your MVP of the first half of the season for the Blues? Boy, that's a tough one, Brooke. Um you know, I would I would certainly narrow it down to Robert Thomas, Pareko, Bennington. And I think if I had to pick one, I would have to go with Bennington. Because if they don't have the great goaltending, uh, they're not sitting in the second wild card spot. And, you know, if to me, an MVP, if you lose that player, where would your team be? Um, obviously, the other players are very important. But, you know, goaltending is you know, basically whatever, half the game in hockey, right? It's just so important. So you, you have to have great goaltending to compete. And the Blues have had great goaltending this year from Bennington and also Joel Hofer. So I would say Bennington would be my final answer, Brooke. How's that? Great. Final answer? It's uh, the fight isn't until 8.30, John. So <laughs> okay. if you want to take on Randy, just let us know and text in. Um, I want to ask you about the, the skills competition and the all-star game. Do you like it? You know, is there some things you tweak with it? What did you think? You know, I think that, you know, it's, it's obviously a show Rand or a Dan, as we know, it, it's not really a sporting competition, although the players try hard and the fastest skater and, and the different skills competitions. And I thought the game, I think the game has gotten a little bit more competitive the last couple of years. There were a couple of years where, it wasn't competitive at all. And I thought, you know, in watching the three games this year, I thought it was fairly competitive, so I enjoyed it. Um, the goaltenders obviously have a tough situation because yeah. basically all it is is two-on-ones and breakaways all night long or all day long. <laughs> I mean, that's all it is. So, you know, the skill was on display. Robert Thomas had a ton of chances, obviously, didn't get on the board. Um, but I think overall it was a very good show, and I think the NHL had to be pleased with, 
the outcome from Toronto. John Kelly with us on 101 ESPN. J.K. Pavel Buchnevich this year has 39 points, 17 goals, 22 assists in 47 games. He is a plus 10, and he's been a consistent on that top line. What have you thought of what you've seen of Buchnevich this season? I think he's played really well. And, uh, you know, he he's sort of the glue of that line. You know, Robert is obviously the, the leading scorer right now, and, and Cairo is a guy that obviously can have just incredible games and is still a bit too inconsistent at times. But Buchnevich is more, to me, the glue guy, and I think he's had a really good season. So, um, obviously, the Blues need more five-on-five scoring. Their power play has been tremendous since the coaching change. And if they're going to be a playoff team, and right now they sit in the second wild-card spot, they need more five-on-five scoring, and Butch Davich is certainly one of the guys that can deliver. Well, we were talking about this earlier because yesterday we had on Joe Buck and he had his take on the Blues is that they should sell when it comes to the trade deadline. Now, I'm sure a lot will be determined by their play in the next coming weeks. But as of right now, do you see the Blues being buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? Well, I know that Doug Armstrong was was doing some media last weekend and he basically said they're neutral right now. Um, They have a month before the deadline. So I, I think it really determines where you are at that point. I find it really difficult to believe that the Blues were in a playoff spot that they would be sellers, um, but you never know, and you never know what kind of deal is out there. Uh, you know, at, at any point, a team can make a trade if it's going to benefit that team short-term and long-term, right? I mean, if Wayne Gretzky can get traded, anybody can get traded any time. That's the way I look at it. So, But I think that there's too much uh, runway here before the, the trade deadline. So I would like to really answer that question when the deadline does come in March. I think it's great, John, that NHL players are returning to the Olympics for the first time in, I guess, a decade or so. What was your reaction to to hearing that news? Well, I wasn't surprised, Dan. I know the players have been certainly lobbying that for a couple of years, and they certainly weren't happy that they weren't in the Olympics the last couple of years or, or you know, Olympics. I think it's great news, and it's it's great for the game and the top players want to go. I know that the NHL for years has been saying basically that it really doesn't benefit the, the league or the individual teams, but I think big picture, I think it does help sell the game. And more importantly, the top players want to go. So, you know, it is a collaboration with the, the players in the NHL. So I think it's great. And I, I look forward to 26 and 30. I, I think it's going to be outstanding. And, you know, we're, we're not going to, we haven't seen those top players <clears throat> excuse me, at the Olympics before, the likes of Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon. So uh, some of those elite players are going to get their first crack at the Olympics, and it should be a lot of fun. And, John, I've always thought, and I've always enjoyed the, the World Cup competitions that take place right before training camp, but those players aren't conditioned like these players are. They're, they're in, for the Olympics, in mid-season form, so you've got the best players at the top of their game. For me, Olympic hockey is the best hockey I've ever seen. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the 87 Canada Cup, I know I'm biased because my father uh, broadcast the games. Those three games in the 87 Canada Cup, it was in September that year between uh, Canada and the, and the USSR at the time, were three of the best hockey games I've ever seen. But having said that, you're right. If you play in the middle of the season, the players are in top shape. So th- that's the benefit. Now, the, the downside is that you're in the middle of the season and you're getting ready for the playoff push. And if players get injured, obviously it's really impactful on the teams and those particular players. 
Um, but thinking positively, I think it's a win-win to have it in the middle of the season, no question. J.K., great to hear your voice, and uh, we have you back on Sunday, right, from Montreal? Yes, Super Bowl Sunday from Montreal. It It should be good. Should be great. Have a great one. Thank you, sir. We appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. That's John Kelly, TV Voice of the Blues on 101 ESPN. Did you see Nikita Kucherov during the uh, skills competition? Mm -hmm. Didn't try to put in any effort to it. That's one of the problems I had over the weekend. But all in all, I think it was a good showcase for the sport. Yeah. Uh, Kucherov. Arguably the most gifted player in the sport, right? There's McDavid is unbelievable, and McKinnon is unbelievable, and Austin Matthews is unbelievable. I think if I were just to have a skills competition, and he, you're right, he didn't give it everything he has, but I think Kucherov, he gave it nothing. 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 <laughs> he really did. There was little effort. You know, even on that team, to be, I think he's the most gifted player on that team. But if you ask me for the guy with the the gifts. The, just the natural hockey player. I think Kucherov's a guy. I do, too. He's right there with it. I, I was disappointed he did that. If you don't want to compete in it, yeah. then take yourself out of it. Come up with an injury. Say I'm dealing with a bad calf or something. Well, it's just a bad look for the league. Yeah, and you had players who weren't able to participate in the skills competitions. So Yeah, right. <laughs> one that should have won the passing competition, but it happens. You know, it uh, happens. Coming up, Matthew, do you need a fighter? What happened yesterday? I didn't... Uh, yeah, we need another fighter, Randy. You won. Okay. Uh, if you want to f- uh, text in to fight, you can. Just text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! With your <laughs> name and the word fight. And maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. Rick Grimsley here alongside Danny Mac, Randy Carricker, and Matthew Rocchio. And it is now time for the fight. Our fighter today is Todd. Todd, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. Thank you. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing great. It's nice and sunny outside. A little chilly inside the studio. But other than that, we're doing good. What do you think, Dan? It's chilly. It is chilly. It's chilly in here. <laughs> we, we always are struggling to figure out how to work the system in here. Todd, have you ever yeah, taken on Randy? Up. Have you ever won a uh, fight? I've never won a fight. I took him on a couple of years ago, and I got tricked on a question. Who was the oldest uh, pitcher to throw a perfect game? And I knew it was Randy Johnson, but I said Jamie Moyer, and he got me 2-1. to one, So, mm. All right. Well, you ready to go today? I am. And I just want to say something real quick. Danny Mack, you are missed calling Cardinal games. Love you, guy, man. You're the best. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right, Todd, ready for question number one and redemption for the fight? All right, here we go. The Cardinals entered the ninth inning of Game 5 of the 2012 NLDS, down 7-5 to five to the Nationals. Who drove in the winning runs on the two-out RBI single that made it 9-7? to seven? Is it Pete Cosma, Daniel Descalso, or Carlos Beltran? Ooh, I think Descalso... Uh, I think the scouts was on base, maybe. Um, God, I remember that game. I was watching with a bunch of friends. Uh, let's go with uh, Cosma. Maybe he was on base, too. Yeah, we'll go with Cosma, I guess. Okay, question two, right, Todd. Danny. Here we go. Who is the only player to lead the National Football League in sacks three times? Was it T.J. Watt, Lawrence Taylor, or Mark Gastineau? Ooh, golly. Um, 
Gastineau, T.J. Watt. Who was the other one? Gastineau, T.J. Watt. And Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. I'm going to go with um, Mark Gastineau. Final answer? Yeah, final answer. Question three, please. Following the Patriots' comeback from 28-3, to who scored the Super Bowl-winning touchdown in overtime? Was it Julian Edelman, LeGarrette Blunt, or James White? It was James White. Final answer. Going back I could to be t- wrong, but I think that's it. Was. I like your confidence. <laughs> I like your confidence. Okay, going back to Terry Bradshaw's MVP win in 1978. Twenty different QBs have won the award. Only two of them never played in a Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson and who else? Randall Cunningham, Brian Seip, Philip Rivers. Hmm. I don't think Philip Rivers ever played in a Super Bowl, did he? The Chargers, did they ever make it? Uh, I'm going to say Philip Rivers, maybe. Okay, final yeah, answer. Rivers. I don't know if he won the. He won an MVP though. Yeah, Philip Rivers. We'll just go with him. Okay. I'm sure Randy will get that right. If it's the NFL, there's probably a good chance that he will. <laughs> That's the problem right. with the NFL Week. You know what I mean? This guy, he is a mega mind for certain reasons that we call him that. And uh, he kind of yeah. knows a lot of stuff. He really does. How I do you feel, feel after get that? All four of these right. yeah. I, I feel okay, but I think he's going to get four right. I might have got one right. He's going to probably get four, so it'll be over soon. Now, if you ask Randy two plus two, he may not get that. But right. if you asked him about something in 1957 <laughs> in a baseball game in July, he probably would. Yeah, Randall? he probably would. He'd know the pitcher, the, the, the save leader, and he got the game-winning RBI. Exactly. <laughs> Randall, say good morning to Todd. Todd, good morning. How are you doing? Good, Mr. Carricker. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for listening and participating in the fight. We appreciate it. All right. Question yes, number. Thank you. I appreciate it. Question number one, Randy. Two plus two equals. No, I'm kidding. It's just because Dan <laughs> just said that. The Cardinals entered the ninth inning of Game Five of the 2012 NLDS, down seven to five to the Nationals. Who drove in the winning runs on the two-out RBI single that made it nine to seven? Uh, so this is. Uh, quite a memory for me because Chris Duncan had just had brain surgery and uh, he was just coming out. He was like, like semi-conscious and he, he, when he would send you a text, it was gobbledygook. And I had no idea. I, I thought that, okay, they just uh, kind of worked on it. I, I didn't know that his brain was so affected, but he loved getting the texts. And I was texting him during that game as the Cardinals came back, and I believe it was Pete Cosma that drove in the winning runs. But isn't that weird that my strongest memory of that series and of that time in 2012 was that Dunk had just found out that he had been diagnosed for that glioblastoma, and so I was I was texting him, I, I was live texting him that game. It's amazing when you have great sports moments, you remember where you were. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Good, bad, yeah. and different. Yeah. Um, all right. Question two: Who is the only player to lead the NFL in sacks three times? So this would clearly be a scenario in which Sachs became an official t- statistic yes. in 1982. I believe it just happened. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's T.J. Watt of the uh, Steelers. I think he's like led, th- what, three in a row or three of the last four years. Uh, Final answer. Pretty good. Final answer, T.J. Watt. Following the Patriots' comeback from 28-3, to who scored the Super Bowl-winning touchdown in overtime? I'm going to go with James White, Brooke. I'm going to go with the running back James White to score the overtime winner and break Anthony Stalter's heart. 
Boy, did it ever. (laughs) Yeah, poor guy. Going back to Terry Bradshaw's MVP win in 1978, 20 different QBs have won the award. Only two of them never played in a Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson and who else? An MVP that has never played a quarterback that has been the MVP and never played in a Super Bowl. Never played in a Super Bowl. So this is all the way back to 78. Dan, I'll just do the lifeline because I don't want to go through every team right now. Randall Cunningham, Brian Sipe, Philip Rivers. I'm going to go with Brian Sipe in the early 80s when he led the league in passing for the Browns. I'm going to go with number 17, Brian Sipe. All right, final answer? Final answer. (laughs) All right. Okay, go ahead, Matthew. Despite Danny's tone, we do have a winner in today's fight. Is it Randy Carricker with a second win in a row here to start the week? Or does Todd get revenge on Randy after a 2-1 loss not too long ago? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Car Shield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit carshield.com today. I'm sorry, Todd. You heard Mr. Buck there, and that means Randy Carricker hit the jack, and he beat you a four to two today. Yeah, I, I called that shot. I knew he'd get four. Right? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that one. Let's go through those questions and answers. The Cardinals entered the ninth inning of Game Five of the 2012 NLDS, down seven to five to the Nationals, who drove in the winning runs with a two-out RBI single that made it nine to seven. And it was, in fact, Pete Cosma, Daniel Descalso, getting the hit that drove in the runs to tie it from the seven-five deficit to seven all. The only player to lead the NFL in sacks three times just happened this year. T.J. Watt, three out of four years, even more than did, Big Brother J.J. Did Deacon Jones lead like four? Or five, six, Technically, seven. I think they have him down it, on Pro Football Reference currently. Mm-hmm. They they changed their stats. They did a blog post. They said we went back and found all the stacks. Mm-hmm. I think Deacon Jones has four out of seven years or something like that. Oh, wow, okay. Or he won or four out of like eight years. It's some crazy stat like that. But obviously, it's unofficial, so I'm not mm-hmm. using it. Yep. And following the Patriots' comeback from 28 to three, who scored the Super Bowl winning touchdown in overtime? That was in fact James White. And despite the text turn the text line, yes, the Super Bowl has ended in overtime. That mm-hmm. one because yep. I sent you the link and you can look at the box score. Going back to Terry Bradshaw's MVP win in 1978, 20 different quarterbacks have won the award. Lamar Jackson and 1980 MVP winner Brian Sype for the Cleveland Browns, the only MVPs to never play in a Super Bowl. And actually, Randy, Randy, you can get more specific. You can say as a starting quarterback because none of the other MVPs that didn't start in a quarterback were ever like a backup or anything like that. So you can take it fully to the never started in a, in a, wow. in a Super Bowl, let alone played in a Super Bowl. But yeah, Brian Sype and Lamar Jackson, a 4-2 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. Todd, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. I appreciate it, guys. You have a wonderful day. Thanks, right, Todd. Thanks, you too. Todd. Thank you very much. Okay. Randall Cunningham was never an MVP. Isn't that something? He finished second twice, I want to say. Yeah, the 98 um, season. Yes, and then once in the early ones, I think with the Eagles, I yeah. think he got huh. through as like a second or third in, in the voting, but lost to <laughs> Steve Young. I would have gone with Randall having an MVP. That's kind of surprising to me. Hmm. You probably knew that, Randy. No, I just I, I knew that Brian Sype was. I knew that he had, once you gave me that name, I knew that he was. So that was where I was coming from. Hey, uh, coming up next, uh, we we talked to Joe about this yesterday, who uh, has worked really hard at his golf game. If you could take lessons at something for a year and become great at it, what would it be? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
Matthew. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We had our friend Joe Buck on the show yesterday, and uh, we closed this conversation I, because Joe had, several years ago, really gotten into enhancing his golf game. I mean, deep into it. And so I, I asked him yesterday how his golf swing was. If it's if it just comes back, because if, if you play golf, I didn't start playing golf till I was 25. And when I go out after not swinging for a month my swing isn't there i have to i have to work on it so i asked joe if his swing is natural now or if he is able to just go out and and have his swing right away randy i need a therapist uh, for, (laughs) for this kind of stuff i i i obsess about it um i hit so many balls like four days ago when the weather was nice that my left elbow just blew up uh it, it's i it's ridiculous how bad my elbow looks but he's really good and this brought to mind the question uh, he worked really hard at it uh if you could do something practice as something for a year but know you were going to become really good at it what would it be text in 3143999646314399 yo if so it could be cooking it could be boxing. It could be tennis or golf. It can be whatever you want. Uh, Brooke, you had a good one yesterday. I think that the, it's a really interesting approach that you have. Which one? Because I wrote down three. I couldn't pick between all of them last night. Gambling. So, yes. <laughs> Dan. So, hear me out, Dan. So, the reason I want to be good at gambling, one is because I want to make some more money and I think it's a little, you know, a little side hustle you could do there. If somebody could teach me to not just be okay at it, but great at it, guys, that would be an amazing investment. I would love to do that. Singing would be another one. Rocky brought that up. I think singing, to be great at singing, would be fantastic. I've always been so jealous of people who can just belt out a song on command, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. That would be so cool to do. And then the other one also, Randy, is golf. Because golf, as you guys know, I'm still learning and trying to learn. And it has been the most humbling experience that I have ever had in my entire life. Just when I think that I might have my swing down, all of a sudden it just goes haywire. I looked like Tom Brady this past weekend. Did you guys see that video? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, did, he hit it about five yards. That was me, like after yeah. I had just had a really good swing. It's, doesn't that make you feel good, though? That a, a yes. good athlete can have that happen to him. It kind of made me feel good. It tells you how tough golf is. It, it is. It's a brutal sport, man. It's very, very hard to do. And that's the one that I would take. But you know what I would like to be able to do? I'm a good instruction follower in terms of being a cook. I would like to creatively make great meals without having to have a recipe. I would love to learn how to be a chef. I'm still waiting on my carrot cake from you, Randy. I know you which are. is the best carrot cake I've ever had. Really? The best? It is the best. Yeah. I've, I've got those plans in the works, Dan. Okay. Maybe Super Bowl Sunday, something a little special gift for me? Yes. Okay. Ooh. Thank you. You're in, bro. Thanks, bro. How, how do I also get in you are on in, this you, list? My, my whole team is in here. Okay. Matthew, Matthew okay. likes carrot cake, right? Carrot cakes for oh, everybody. Yeah. Rachel, every, okay, well, okay, carrot cakes for everybody it is. <laughs> You're going to be busy this weekend. It's, it's actually, once I get rolling, it's pretty easy. We got a really good one on the text line. I like this because it's not too pie in the sky. Um, billiards. It's so satisfying oh. to running racks and pool. I know there's not a lot of money in it, but be as a professional, but plenty of chances to play big money games behind closed doors. That's a really good choice. Oh, that's a great choice. You know what? Another one. That's that's really a, lot a of your good friend's idea. Money. What about poker? Yep, that's another great one. Ooh, yes. really good at poker would be good. I know that I talked about sports betting and gambling, and I want to be great at that, but if somebody could teach me how to do that 
and I could just go into the casino and be that person, be really cool where you could just run the table. I want to do that. I didn't think about it. Somebody said fighter, uh, like a, how to fight a, a fire pilot, but I, I think let's lower that down to a little bit more reasonable. Yeah. Learning how to fly a plane and being able to just casually be able to like, oh, I'm going to go take my plane out today. That would be pretty, That learning how to fly would be pretty freaking cool. I like this one from the 314 that I hadn't even thought of, dancing. Yes, absolutely, 100%. Right Ballroom there dancing? Right there we're yeah. singing. Yeah, in a year, you, I can't dance at all. I, and, and I may never, you, you might be able to give me six years and I could never become a good dancer, but it'd be interesting to try. I would like to play guitar like Eddie Van Halen. Mm, that'd be Ooh. fun. Yeah. And that's something that in a year, oh, yeah, you, you could you, you work at it every day for a year. It'd be really cool. And, then the, and the stipulation here is also like having somebody who, like, because Joe had somebody who was helping him out. And so my yeah. thing was like, if Randy could have somebody who during breaks could just be like, all right, Randy, you're going to come out here and work on your golf swing for three minutes, yeah. every, like every Every break during the show, how good you could get. Somebody threw out, we talked about this yesterday, day trading stock. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. that's another one. If you have somebody who's in your ear at all times, like, here's the information you really need to be doing this, that'd be fun. Somebody yeah. said Nookie. Oh well, they you put it you put you put it nicer than that. Yeah, yeah, they they did put that on there. Yeah, Yeah. and you get to practice for a year. A lot of practice. (laughs) I'm just saying. Why? (laughs) This is these are the things you usually start steer us away from. No, it was a six three six. Wouldn't me. No, I I saw the I saw that text also. I just wasn't going to bring it up. Oh, Normally, you're on the other side. You talk about death. What, what yeah. is that um, old dating show that they would bring on newlyweds and married couples? And the that just makes me, when you game. said, yeah, yeah, when you said that, it made me think, because they would say that on there. Remember? I did like uh, Chuck Woolery on We'll Be Back in Two and Two. Yeah, he was great. What show is that? Love Connection? I think it was. Yeah. Love. 314 says, dunk a basketball. Listen, that that person just reached down inside a deep part of me and, and pulled out the real answer there. But if how I, can you if practice I, to become somebody who can dunk, though? Yeah, I think... There's there's apparently... There's a, there's two things. One, there's there are, there are like, mm-hmm. drills you can do to get your vertical better. And the combine people talk about it. There's drills, apparently, they do to widen their hands so that their hands are bigger when they get... Um, Measured by the NFL. That's a big thing in dunking a basketball, Uh being able to palm a basketball. That's a big factor. I remember because Brandon Allen, do you remember him? He was the quarterback at at Arkansas. Remember, it became a big story that he was getting massages to lengthen his hands. He's a backup for for Josh Allen in Buffalo, I think. Brandon Allen is. You give me a year of those massages, I'll be able to palm a basketball, which I can't do right now. That'd be cool. Uh, Painting comes in from the 314 on the text line. That'd be a good one. You know, George W. Bush is a big painter now. Mm-hmm. That's what he. That's kind of like his thing, and he's really good. I saw a feature on him, and he's a really good painter too. So that's something that I guess you could practice for a year and to become good at. Um, there was one other one that I liked here. Uh, oh, uh, sports trivia, so I could beat Megamind. <laughs> no wonder you like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. So, uh, disc golf. That would be. Uh, that would be interesting. Uh, disc golf is very, they take that very seriously. They do. Have you guys met somebody who plays disc golf? No, but I've watched them over at Creepcore Park and they're intense. Oh, they are very intense. One of my old co workers at KMOV, he is a big disc golfer and listens to the show a lot. And he is very, very serious. They travel, they go all over the place for this. Yeah, it's good for them. And I, I would assume that if you do practice for a year, you become a lot better, right? 
It's, I would it's, assume. It's not a random I thing. No. So. That's how I felt about golf. I thought I would be better than I am right now, but still working on it over at Family Golf and Learning Center. Oh, it takes a long time to get better at golf. <laughs> I know. Dan, it's when does hard. it get better for me? <laughs> it's just uh, it's just hard. I mean, it's a hard sport. You do have to practice. You got to have, you know, I think lessons help. Are they necessary? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's a hard it's a hard sport. Oh, it was whoopee. That's what whoopee. they said. Nookie. Nookie. Yeah, whoopee, but I, you know. on the old it's dating older. shows, yeah. that's what they would say. Yeah. There's a there's a song. You remember? Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> uh, how about this one? I would like to be able to walk normal like I had good knees. <laughs> from the 314. Is that from you? That from Danny? No, it wasn't for me. I actually come in and I have a give you a little visual here. I take one of the trash cans mm-hmm. and put them under my legs. They're small trash cans so that my knees don't hang off the chair and I have to go eh, by 8.15 or I'm sorry 9.15 I'll be out stretching in the hall. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta get the knees going. It hurts. Thing, man. Poor guy. I hate it is what it is. Uh, a couple more from the 314 bowling and then surfing. Think about the places that you get to practice. Uh, surfing. Hawaii. Uh, no, 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 no. no. Uh, sharks. Uh, oh, sharks. sharks. Yeah. I have a I have a big fear of sharks. For I no reason. They just scare like me. Them. They like them? No, I said I don't know many people oh, okay. that do. Yes, but I'm saying a very I don't know. Remember when you were little and you would maybe go into the pool and you would worry for whatever reason there would be a shark in there? That was me. I was always panicking oh. that there'd be sharks yeah. and did bodies you watch of water. Jaws? I did. Yeah. I think that had a lot to do with it, Dan. I, would say so. I think we're getting to the bottom <laughs> of this <Yes>. fear. <laughs> Wasn't the best part of Jaws when the head shows up in the hole of the boat? That's what the one where I went back in my seat. The, you know, the, the body, and then the, there's a hole in the bottom of the boat, and I don't even remember who died, but they died, uh, obviously. The old SNL had a shark. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, land shark. Yes, a land shark. <laughs> Candy Graham. That's exactly right. Candy Graham. Great. I, I, I learned from the greatest. You just jumped the shark. Oh, ho, ho, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, (laughs) we've got the Rush Hour reset here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour reset. It's 9.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, and Coach Dick Vermeer will join us in 10 minutes. But it is time for the Rush Hour Reset. And at the top of our news today, the Chicago Sun-Times reporting within the last five minutes that the Chicago Blackhawks will host the Winter Classic next season at Wrigley Field against the St. Louis Blues. Oh. Blues and Blackhawks at Wrigley Field next year for the Winter Classic. That's pretty cool. That's exciting, actually. Yeah. I like that a lot. That'll yeah, be fun. Connor Bedard, mm-hmm. Hawks, Blues, Chicago, Windy City. You got uh, Wrigley. That's 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 yeah. a lot of fun. Snuggerud. I was going to yeah, say Jimmy Snuggerud. Yeah. 
I would assume he's there. I would hope that he's there. Yep. Jeremy Rutherford has a piece up about Jimmy Suggerud at The Athletic right now. You can check it out. But he says he's focusing right now, as he should, on Minnesota and having a successful run to the sta- to the uh, Frozen Four. They're, the, Minnesota's good, not great. They aren't a favorite to be in the Frozen Four. But with Jimmy Suggerud on your team in, in college hockey, you always got a chance. And then I assume that once the season ends, that if he does want to come, he would be in Springfield. Yeah, you would think so. Uh, and then next year, the Blues, uh, I, the, the impression I get is that they are prepared to do that 11-game tryout mm-hmm. and allow him to uh, see if he can play at this level. And then if he can't, then he can go back and yeah. uh, play. You want to see if he can yeah, play yeah. right now right. here before you pull him out of Minnesota. So you're going to find out if he can play in the NHL first. Yeah. Uh, last night was media night at the Super Bowl in Vegas. They had actually had it at Allegiant Stadium. Even the the craziness of Media Day isn't as crazy as it used to be. But there were a lot of things that were brought up, including uh, Travis Kelsey being asked about Swifty. I wonder how he felt about that. How do you think uh, he, he feels about that? About being asked about yeah, Taylor Swift? Yeah, he knew it was coming, but I mean, it's kind of a, a personal in nature, isn't it? Well, I think that their relationship is pretty public at this point. Has to be. Doesn't have much choice. Yeah. I thought he handled it pretty well. I thought he did, yeah. I think you know, he yeah. handled it really, really well. And I think that that's the thing is, is he was very respectful about it. I don't think he's going into depth about their relationship and what's going on mm-hmm. behind closed doors. Just the respect that he has for her. Here he is. She's uh, she's unbelievable. She's uh, she's rewriting the history books herself. Uh, I told her I'll have to hold up my end of the bargain and come home with some hardware, too. Oh, uh, there you go. A little mini Lombardi and maybe a Super Bowl ring. Well, you know, it's going to be addressed. And I thought he handled it well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. why I want to go back to something you said. So the Super Bowl, like the big media thing, has calmed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? I think it's because of cost. Yeah, the, the cost of sending people to the Super Bowl. We used to go every year. Now when we had a team too, but Radio Row isn't nearly as big as it used to be at the Super Bowl. And then you just don't have the characters like Downtown Julie Brown was on MTV and yeah, always and, bouncing around right. and doing her thing. And those. Those sorts of people just aren't out there anymore. NFL Network hired their own, and he was fantastic, their own child reporter. Uh, Jeremiah last night was really entertaining. But there just aren't as, and I think part of it is, uh, it it used to be a a morning, afternoon thing, and now it's it's a nighttime thing. So it it used to be, for example, Entertainment Tonight. You could do it at 11 in the morning and put it on on your show at 6. Now so many people have seen it on social media that it really doesn't become a TV thing now. Well, and how expensive Las Vegas is. Yeah. When you're talking about sending people there, how much do you think a hotel room costs? Even if you would have booked it way in advance, Probably how expensive? Bucks. Oh. I was going to say 500 at least. Yeah. More than that, I would almost You'd guess. Think. Yeah, if you want to be close to where the action is. If oh, you're a media yeah. member, you have all that equipment, as you know, mm-hmm. and you want to be as close as possible to that hotel or wherever where they're going to have all the big events where you might need something. I can only imagine how expensive that would be per night. So obligations now, media-wise, they're tempered going forward, correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, are the players available to the media oh, yeah. maybe Wednesday? Every morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, not, not and Friday. then it stops. Yeah. But they, what happens now is, and both teams are a half hour away from the strip, so depending on where you're staying as a media member, they'll have shuttles that will take you to the hotel, and they'll get a ballroom, and players will be sitting at a round table, and uh, you, you just surround them. So did you see, I don't know if you guys talked about it yesterday, but a guy like Mike Florio, is kept out of the commissioner's press conference. Mm-hmm. How do you have that guy not allowed to go in and get the special 
dispensation, the ticket, whatever it is right. to get in. I mean, come on. Yeah. He's got to be in there. He's going to ask some tough questions, and they wouldn't even allow that. But no. that's the point, is because he's going yeah. to ask the tough questions. And after everything that happened with Jim Trotter, I think that Roger Goodell doesn't want another situation like that. And he really doesn't want anybody to question him about anything. I know that he did get some questions yesterday, but we played that audio earlier. He really just answered the question without exactly answering right. it. I don't think that they would... If I covered an NFL team, I don't, I don't think they would provide me an invitation to. The- no, you'd be out. I would love that. I, that. Maybe that's what should happen: is we have a public vote of who gets in. You have to oh, let at idea. least one person that's going to hammer him hard on questions in but there. Jim Trotter, Rachel Nichols. I, I would ask a fun question. Anybody from outside the lines? Yeah, right. Jeremy yeah, Shap. Jer- Jer- uh, is it Jimmy? Jimmy, not Jimmy Roberts. Jimmy. Whatever his name is. But Jeremy Schaap would be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a good idea. I think that he, did, he he's really good at pivoting. Goodell's re- his dad was a senator. So he knows how to pivot like a politician. And he does. He does a really good job of that. He's paid a lot of money to protect the owners. Yeah. And look like the bad guy if he needs to. And he's making, what, $60 million a year? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. By the way, he did announce that the Eagles are going to open the season, not the kit band that's in St. Louis tonight, but the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles are going to to open the season in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be the first Brazil game for the National Football League to open next season. That is the Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, like Andy Reid, Dick Vermeil coached the Eagles and the Chiefs. He also has a relationship with Kyle Shanahan and is our Super Bowl champion, Dick Vermeil, the Hall of Famer, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. If you read all your leadership books, a lot of them will tell you to never confront a serious problem in front of other people. I don't believe that. I learned in broadcasting, sitting in locker rooms around the league and everything else, and I've all sort of believed this. Players in the locker room tend to think the only guy that gets chewed out and reprimanded for making a mistake is the second stringer. And I've always felt that everybody has to feel they're all going to be held responsible, regardless of how good you think you are. I would always attack a problem, not the person. I would attack the problem in front of everybody. One of my favorite things in 40 years of doing radio was having Dick Vermeil go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, and he came over and spent so much time with Michelle Smallman and I on our morning show then, and uh, with Brooke Grimsley and Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and the Hall of Famer Dick Vermeil joins us now on the Celebrity Line. Coach, it's always good to talk to you. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine, thank you. No issues. No, I haven't lost a game. Years. <laughs> that's that's got to be a good feeling. Hey, uh, uh, we've talked about this before, but somebody is going to lose a game on Sunday. What was that like for you when you took your Eagles team to the Super Bowl? How did you respond? When we took the Eagles, obviously I didn't do a very good job because we lost. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, you know, it was different than when we went uh, with the Rams because uh, when we went with the Eagles, we had two weeks, you know, a week by. Remember, Randy, when we went in, in 2000 of January, we didn't have a bye. Mm-hmm. We won the championship game on Sunday and got on a plane and flew on Monday, which is not the best way to go. 
but the results were better with that method. <laughs> no doubt about it. And obviously you came away with a win. And what, what we always like having you on, Coach, but you, like Andy Reid, coached both the Eagles and the Chiefs. I know you have a great relationship with Andy Reid, and you also have a great appreciation of the history of coaching. What's your impression of the, the legacy of Andy Reid's coaching career in the NFL? Well, I think he's right there with Belichick, with Don Shula, Tom Landry, you know, Bill Parcells, these kinds of guys, Joe Gibbs. Uh, he's with those guys and maybe on offense along with Bill Walsh. You know, uh, Bill Walsh was ahead of his time offensively. Uh, Andy Reid uh, has been it a long time now, so he's he's been ahead of the game offensively, I think, for many years now. And the offense today is so mature with all the touches he's made on it through the many years that, that you just never know how he's going to beat you, you know? He, he's sensational. And I know that you also have an appreciation of the uh, the Mike Shanahan tree and Kyle Shanahan. So I, I'd like to get your impressions of, of what he's done in San Francisco, too. Well, I think uh, Kyle is a reflection of his dad. You know, I coached against his dad many, many times, not very often successfully. And... Uh, but uh, Kyle's done a great job. He's a little uh, innovative in his own way today. The more restricted, uh, closer-knit formations, not spread as much from sideline to sideline, giving him different advantages, both run and pass, and also allowing uh, more than one receiver to cross the field easily to get to the other sideline and uh, catching more balls running away from the quarterback or parallel to the line of scrimmage rather than a higher percentage coming back toward the quarterback. And I think all of these has elevated that offense into right now the most productive offense in football. Well, speaking of the 49ers and then offense, there was a recent article by The Athletic that is titled Why This Year's 49ers Team Reminds the Greatest Show on Turf Rams of Their Super Bowl Run. Do you see any similarities between the 49ers and the greatest show on turf? Well, you know, I, I think, and Mike March did a great job within that article because I, I, I saw it and I was interviewed within it. And uh, I think the 49ers are a little, uh, use a higher percentage of tighter formations than we did. But, uh, you know, they exploit the running back just like uh, we did with Mike and those guys run the offense. Uh, and they score a lot of points. Okay. And they score a lot of points. People tend to forget how many points that team, our Super Bowl team in St. Louis scored when the offense was sitting on the bench. You know, I like to make sure my defensive coaches and players get credit for what they did. I think it was 11 touchdowns, okay, in, in returns and interception returns and fumble recoveries and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I would say the real similarity is in the utilization, utilization of the running back within the passing game. What do you think about Brock Purdy? A lot of people try to label him as just a game manager in kind of a negative way. What do you think about him? And do you see any similarities with him and Kurt Warner? Because Kurt Warner, of course, a lot of people talked about all the weapons that he has around him, just like they do with Brock Purdy. Yeah, I think Kurt Warner's a more pure passer. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I I do think they do a great job of exploiting uh, Purdy's uh, talents. I don't think he's limited. Uh, I, I think they fit him in with the scheme that they run. And uh, I think other quarterbacks that have equal passing talent could do the same thing within that scheme. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, he's a, just an all pro quarterback. 
And regardless of what scheme you run, I think he can move into some other schemes and do as well as some of the other great quarterbacks do. Uh, I don't think he is quite as gifted a passer, even though his percentage completion is great. You know, if you really evaluate your offenses from year to year, percentage passes complete via coming off play action is normally higher than your normal drop back passing game. And they use a higher percentage of play action passing. And uh, I think that's why his pass completion percentage is higher than everybody else's as well. Coach, who do you like to win this weekend and why? Well, I like the Chiefs to win. They're my team. I worked there five years. I'm close to the Hunt mm-hmm. family. I'm close to Andy Reid. I grew up a 49er fan. The very first NFL locker room I was ever in was the 49ers in 1961. Red Hickey was coaching the team, and Mike Hickey, his son, was playing defensive end for me at Hillsdale High School. So Carol and I would get to go to the uh, 49er games once in a while and sit in the booth with Mrs. Hickey and then go down on the field and into the locker room after the game. And I can't tell you that what an unbelievable impact that had on me in regard to NFL football. So and I, I will always be grateful for those experiences. Coach, it's amazing when you tell that story. It's like you can see that locker room in your mind's eye. Is that the way it is oh, right you, now? Oh, yeah, that locker room wasn't much, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't much, but they had a lot of stars that I grew up watching play. You know, big-name 49ers that are now in the Hall of Fame. You know, the McElhaney's and all those kind of YA tittle. And, you know, it was just something. And, and actually, Red Hickey was really the first one to really take the shotgun formation and put it up front. Hmm. Now, they caught up with it later in the season, but at first they was putting tons of points on the board out of the shotgun, and nobody else was doing it. Dick Vermeil, uh, you always mentioned to us early on in Kurt's career how he played beyond the scheme, that everybody had to be ready for the ball because sometimes the ball was set to go one place, but Kurt would see somebody and it would go another place. It looks to me like Patrick Mahomes is a master at playing beyond the scheme. Do you agree with that? Oh, no question, Yeah. I think Kurtz was really more programmed going throughout the entire pattern and, and extremely well coached by Mike and Al Saunders and all those guys, John Ramsdale, within the offense. But uh, I, I think uh, Mahomes is more independent uh, of, because I almost think sometimes he gets out of there too soon because he wants to go out and create something different than the pattern was designed to, to do. Yeah, not that he can't do it in, in the routine of the pattern, but uh, Kurt, I think, exploited the whole pattern from the pocket, whereas Mahomes exploits the offense from all over the field. The left, almost, you know, he has thrown it left-handed. He lobs it over. He throws it sidearm. He can throw it in any which way, you know, which makes him extremely unique. Your friend Mike Holmgren used to say about Favre, well, well he's standing on the sideline. No, no, no. And then Favre makes a play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably the same thing with Andy Reid and Mahomes, right? Yeah, no question. I used to do that with Dante Hall in Kansas City. I'd say, don't go. Don't. <laughs> don't feel that. And then he brings the ball up to the 50-yard line or into the end zone. I say, great play. <laughs> well, Coach, Torrey Holt is a finalist once again for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Do you think this is the year that he gets in? Well, you know, the competition's tough. I believe, you know, he deserves it or else he wouldn't be in the finals, what, five times. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in uh, this year or not, uh, I think it's 55%, 60% chance. Uh, 
You know, he holds the NFL all-time record, okay, history of the NFL, for the most yards gained in one game with three pass receptions. I think it was 186 yards with three receptions, and two of them were touchdowns in one game. No one has ever done that before. And, I, you know, I pointed that out a couple weeks ago uh, to Howard Balzer because I was going through different stats trying to find something that could separate him from somebody else, at, you know, going into the hall. And I found that up and made sure – I found that out and made sure that – Howard, who who presents him and, and everything, and uh, got that information. Yeah. Hey, coach, uh, if Tory does make it in, and at some point he will, Bruce Holt, Falk, Pace, Warner, with the fact that that offense did put together three consecutive five hundred point seasons, was that the best offense ever? Well, if it wasn't the best ever, it's as good as the best ever. Okay. I don't know, but uh, it was very productive. And I think it also set a tone to other coaches. It told other coaches, you know, that uh, move your schemes, uh, spread them out, uh, attack, make sure you utilize the running back within the scheme and and still be sound in pass protection, you know. So uh, uh, I think it would, I think it was maybe what Bill Walsh did early in his career and got that style of offense built in uh, that, uh, Mike and my offensive staff did that in, in 1999. You know, it was very productive after that as well. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. So now how is life treating you with the Vermeil wines? How's the wine business? It's going okay. Yeah. You know, we're not we're not big hitters in the business. We make quality, quality wine. And we recently won a blind tasting against $350 and $450 bottles of wine through the shock of everybody, which really <laughs> pleased us. But we're doing it right. You know, we've got a Hall of Fame bottle of wine coming out that my partners decided to do after I made the haul in 2022, and it'll be released coming up. We ended up making only, I think, about 85 cases of it from, uh, and the grapes came from Bexhoffer Vineyard, which is overall maybe the has more credibility in Napa Valley than any other vineyard management organization. So uh, we're we're pleased with that. and, and our 2021 vintages uh, could prove to be the best we've made so far as they mature. We had to start selling them a little earlier. As you remember, Randy, we lost all our 2020 uh, reds in the forest fire. Yeah, right. So, uh, but the 2021s are already drinking very well, for, especially when you consider how early it is in, in their barling age. Yeah. Good. So I, I think one time recently when we spoke to you, you said that you, you'd made the playoffs. Vermeil Wines had made the playoffs. Are you still a playoff team or are you advancing? No, we're a playoff team. Yeah. You know, it's hard to make the Super Bowl on the Napa Valley. When you- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, uh, it. Uh, no, we are. And, and I, I say that because we we make a little money. We break even, pay all our expenses until have a few bucks in the bank and, and no partners that put money in their pocket to go home with because they, they wouldn't be able to pay the bridge prayer. But uh, uh, it's doing well. It's run well. And the people love our wine. Our, our Napa tasting room won uh, the best tasting room award in Napa this year. And there's a hundred of them. You know, so we're very proud of that. So we're doing it right. Beautiful. Hey, Coach, one more thing. I want to ask you about the state of the game right now because you've said that you couldn't coach the way the game is coached now because you don't have as much access to the players. Anybody who watched your teams and watched the fact that you guys hit and played defense, it it was a different game 24 years ago than the game is now. How do you like the product now when you watch it? 
I like the product. I think it's a little better for the player overall. I think the fundamentals are, 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 are not as good as they used to be. We all had more time to spend on the individual player and developing a young player to become the, you know, the London Fletchers, the Kurt Warners of the world, and these kind of guys, the Billy Jenkins, all, you know, all undrafted players are started in the Super Bowl and played well. You know, uh, It's harder to do that now with practice time restrictions and contact restrictions and double-day restrictions. If you'll remember, Randy, our first two years – in St. Louis, we never took the pads off, and we we're on the field a long time. But because of that, we were able to develop some players. So when Kurt Warner all of a sudden became the great player that he was, everybody else was good enough to allow him to take advantage of his talents, and for Mike Martz to take advantage of his talents, and Al Saunders and Hannafin. You know, it it took time to get where we were. It's tougher to do that today. I feel sorry for the younger coaches. I was just going to ask you about the younger coaches. What would be your advice? You were in that spot before. What would your advice be to these younger coaches? Be who you are. Don't try to be anybody else. And always start out tough. You can always back off. But if you you don't start out tough, chances are you're going to get fired anyway. But if you do start out tough and get them going and building this toughness in this the schemes and the fundamentals and, and the discipline within your program or your organization – then you have a chance to back off a little bit when you feel you've arrived. And finally, Dick Vermeil, I want you to tell this story because it's one of my favorites. The day of the Super Bowl, uh, you you had been the coach that burnout started because of, but you were so thankful to the people that had given you opportunities that on the day of the Super Bowl, tell us about the phone calls that you made as you prepared for the game that night. What you did for me, and thank you for how much I learned from you, you know. Uh, I, I went to the Hall of Fame this last year as, you know, not as a participant, but just a a member of the organization. And uh, one night there, I sat at the table with George Allen's two sons, hmm. okay, Bruce, Bruce and George. And I look at those guys and I just think, you know, your dad started me in this league. <laughs> wow. So you, you can never forget those people to help you get where you are. And and you don't, and you're you're wonderful. We love you. You're our coach. You'll always be our coach here in St. Louis. You know that, Coach. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and thanks as always. It's good to talk to you, and we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you, Coach. That's Dick Vermeil on 101 ESPN. Uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, and the game doesn't start until 5.30, he spent a, a good couple of hours of Super Bowl Sunday calling people from Philadelphia, former players, former executives, former assistant coaches from UCLA, from Hillsdale High, just to say thank you. And you are, and he was really big on making everybody feel they were part of the program. So he called all these people and said, you are as big a part of this as anybody. Fr- from high school to his college coaching days to uh, his Eagles days, he's just incredible. He is. The first time I got to meet him, he was exactly, and this might sound weird, but of course I wasn't here for when he was coaching. So I saw the version of him in Kurt Warner's movie. Mm-hmm. And then I got to meet him in person at an event here not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And he's exactly as I imagine. He is just so kind, so nice, and so helpful. It's not hard to see how he was able to accomplish all that in his coaching career. He's 87. It's amazing, isn't it? 87 and hasn't lost a beat, man. No. You talk to him. He's. I could talk to him all day. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 87 years old. And sharp as a tack. Yeah, he, he really is. He's an amazing human being, and he's the best leader I've ever been around. And I've been around Whitey and Tony and Tori and uh, Joel Quenville, fabulous leader, and just some really good leaders of organizations. But right there, top shelf, is Dick Vermeil. He's mm-hmm. number one in my book. Coming up, uh, a little bit more from the Super Bowl and a little bit of reaction from what DV had to say here on 101 ESPN. 
You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The opening drive, 101 ESPN. It's Brooke, it's Dan, and it's Randy. And the Super Bowl is on Sunday. And you wonder how long we're going to have the Super Bowl on network television. Is it going to be soon? Is it going to be like Peacock having that playoff game? What's the situation? First of all, would you guys be amenable to the idea of kind of like UFC paying $49.99 to watch a Super Bowl? Not that much. Twenty nine no, ninety nine? Not that much. Nineteen ninety nine. Probably not. Okay. Especially when you're already paying for all these streaming services, and then you tack on another extra fifty dollars, twenty dollars on top of that. But people buy UFC every single week. It, it's not their biggest game. The people pay a lot of money for UFC. But what is every their week. viewership compared to NFL numbers? Well, that is a, a great point. But I believe what's happened here is that we've been used to getting the National Football League, and especially the playoffs, and not having to pay an extra fee on top of what we're already Mm -hmm. paying for cable on UFC because they've always paid that. It's just part of what we do. And so I I wonder if the NFL could pull it off. I think they could. I think they're, especially now with gambling and so much interest in that particular game, I think the NFL could sell a streaming Super Bowl. Oh, they definitely could. They'd make a ton of money, Mm -hmm. too. I mean, it would be... Millions of dollars, obviously. Hundreds of millions. I think I lied, too. I'd buy it. <laughs> See, that's, that happens with me with boxing. So I'd buy it. I, I get uh, like a boxing match that's going to start at uh, 10 o'clock, and I, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll, I'll pirate it somewhere. And then I can't pirate it, and then at 9.59, <laughs> I, I wind up buying it. I, was, it. I used to, like back in the day, Mike Tyson fights. Mm-hmm. I would do that. Yeah. I'd buy it. Me, too. I enjoyed it. And maybe part of the pay-per-view thing is another big topic of discussion yesterday with Roger Goodell is where he's talking about expanding it more with the international audience. So if you have pay-per-view, then that Mm -hmm. makes it easier to access internationally. Right. Globalize it. That's what MLS has done with Apple TV. Goodell was actually asked that question yesterday. Certainly not in my time. (laughs) I I still believe... um, and even on some of the pay services, listen, one of the secrets of our success is we are um, really committed to broadcast television. As I said, 90% of our games are on broadcast and free over the air television. I think it's the reason why you will see over 200 million people watch this game here in the United States because it's on broadcast television and the broadest possible platform. And our credit to CBS. Uh, I, they've built a great platform for us. But there's also a digital stream of Paramount Plus. And we want to support that because there are some fans that are watching on Paramount Plus a lot. So I think it's again, um, we'll see Super Bowl continue to be on the broadest platform. I think we'll continue to see the NFL on the broadest possible platform. 23 million people watch that wild card game. That is a really interesting comment because he talks about we have to go where fishing where the fish are. And so they, they've got the best of both worlds. They've got the free, ostensibly free TV, and they've got the Paramount Plus audience that can watch on their phones if they so desire. If you're going to watch one game, buy it, have some friends over, and all of a sudden that stops. I mean, in terms of you could get a lot of people, one television. Mm-hmm. I still think that 
you would have millions of buys with this. It would make the league an incredible amount of money. Well, th- uh, that's what I was thinking about because 100 million people buying at forty nine ninety nine would be $5 billion for the owners in one night. Yep. It would be. And that's the thing is that they can do it, but should they do it? We already know no. how much they're making. We already no. know how much we they're profiting we don't from don't all this. Pay for this. I know, but I'm saying the NFL. When is enough enough? Never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wonder after what they did in the playoff game that you had to buy, how many more of those games are coming? I mean that was a that was a postseason game. Yep, it's yeah. going to be every year. There's going to be multiples. I would agree. Yep, and I mean, Amazon's going to wind up with playoff games. Probably Peacock already has them. It, it, it's inevitable. Although I did like what he said about the broadcast partners. They they do an exceptional job, and it's one of the reasons it's free TV that you have so many fans that love the NFL. Some are not going to buy it, but the majority of fans are watching on free TV, and that's where you get the fandom part of it with the NFL. Exactly. Hey, Friday morning, you can help uh, heat up St. Louis during the 24th annual Hardy's Rise and Shine fundraiser. Stop by any participating Hardy's in the Bi-State area on Friday morning and grab a sausage biscuit or egg biscuit for just a buck. 100% of the proceeds of all funds collected will help heat up St. Louis, supporting people in need in both Missouri and Illinois. It's Friday morning at any participating Hardy's. Find more info at 101ESPN.com. Rock and roll as we head down the stretch next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Hey, we've got your chance to win tickets to the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. That's right. Arch Madness. You can win a pair of single session passes for the MVC, Missouri Men's Basketball Tournament. And it takes place March 7th through 10th at Enterprise Center. All session and single session tickets on sale now. Text into the Air Comfort Service text line and score passes when we ask our question in a moment. That text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-9646. And you can learn more about the Valley Tournament and register to win tickets at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 mobile app. All right, Matthew, what do we got in terms of people trying to win these fabulous tickets? Well, we always learn something when we talk to Dick Vermeil, and I learned something today, and that was a pretty crazy stat for our good friend Tori Holtz. So, in case you were listening, the trivia question is going to be pretty simple. What all-time NFL record does Tori Holt hold that Dick Vermeil told us about? Oh, that's a good one. Yes. I like that. What all-time record does Tori Holt hold? That's a weird phrase. Yes. Weird phrase. What all-time record does that is held by Tory Holt. Did Dick Vermeil reveal to us during his interview earlier in the show? All right. There we go. That's better. Uh, Tory wore number 81 for the preponderance of his career here in St. Louis. So Texter number 81 will receive those tickets to the State Farm Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament at Enterprise Center. It's a lot of texts coming in. 81 of those. Yeah. Can break the old text machine. Well, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to set a record. Going to set a record here. That's what happened. That's that's about the number of texts we get right now when we when we do goofy things like what would you like to become a expert at in a year or any Taylor Swift reaction? Just the text line yeah. immediately, just just immediately straight down the yeah. line. By the way, did somebody say they wanted to become tall or something? Yeah, that's uh, not how this. That's not how the segment they did. works. When you, you practice somebody for said a they want to like lose twenty five years of life. Not no. not how the segment works. Can't practice it. Can't practice that for a year and, and have it be good. Well, didn't you see? There's like this ultra rich guy that is aging himself supposedly backwards with all these different supplements and things that he's doing diet it's a like documentary a documentary about him no no it's not that this is like a real this is an actual guy who's spending a lot of money to make sure that he can be as young as possible 
Alex Rodriguez? <laughs> no, no. It's, I know who Brooke's talking about, and I saw a picture of him. You know what I'm talking he's about, not, right? He's not, he's not looking like that good. His for, name is Benjamin, right? Like you no. think, no, he's not, he's not aging in reverse. Great movie, Randy. though. Um, great movie. He's not looking great. Like that, that guy who's trying to pull that off, yeah. like he doesn't look good. Even for his age, he like, looks like a he, vampire. You think he'd look like twenty years younger? You think he's like he's like seventy? You think he's like well, he's if he's doing this, he's obviously doing good. He probably looks like he's like fifty-five. He's one of those guys. He's not even like one of those guys. He's like eighty, and he looks like he's ninety. You know who's doing that is Ted Williams. Oh, Randy! Oh, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. He's nope. over at the. He, <laughs> <laughs> nope, no. Nope. He's at the Alcor. Uh, Life Preservation Facility in Scottsdale. Somebody thought it was Albacore. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's my favorite kind of sashimi. Albacore tuna. It's my favorite kind. Little little ginger, little soy. Let's go, baby. <laughs> so the guy spends $2 million a year to try to make himself look 18 years old again. That's more than LeBron. LeBron spends a million and a half on his body. It's worth it. It is. It's working. What's he got an option for fifty one million yeah, for like next that. year? Yeah. Wants to play with Bronny. Bronny, yeah. I just looked, Bronny's averaging five and a half for USC. Yeah. Somebody's gonna take him. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, so is there a picture of this guy? Does he look young? He looks like a vampire to me. He actually looks a little yeah. bit like Jay Bomeister. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Uh-huh. It's, it's not, Do you it's see not, it in the face? Does he look like working. a young Bo? Yeah. <laughs> Does he look like a young lad? No, if you will. young Jay Bowmeister was a good-looking cat. This guy doesn't look anything near like a but young Jay But I'm just Jay saying, Bowmeister. do you see a little bit in the face? Maybe a little bit. Well, now he kind of looks scary in these photos I'm showing you. So, so that's kind of... <laughs> this is not meant to be anything against Jay Bowmeister as I'm been, saying all this. Has this guy been practicing for a year? That's the question. <laughs> no. Practicing to get 25 years younger. No. No. Right. No. Uh, the Blues are going to be back at it on Saturday against the Sabres. The Billikens are going to be back at it tomorrow against LaSalle. Hopefully the Billikens can get one more win this year. Ken Palm is, uh, Rock said, no more wins. Well, He initially had 12 wins, and that was probably three weeks ago. This is, Travis Ford wants to have a program, and you can't do programs anymore. That's one thing about the transfer portal, is you can't put together a program that works. Now, has St. Louis University taken advantage of that over the years with Javon Best and, and players like that? They've got a lot of transfers. But now, nobody is going to have any consistency in college basketball. None. Think mm-hmm. about the football pro, uh, yeah. portal right now. It's impossible to right. keep up with all the players that are moving. And I, I saw, I guess there was a report that the SEC and the Big Ten would get together mm-hmm. and essentially eliminate the NCAA Here's the thing, man. You need to make the players employees. Yes. That solves every problem. Sure does. Players should be employed. Now, all of a sudden, players are getting paid, but they're also under contract, and it'd be just like pro sports. No, you can't leave two years into your four-year contract. You're under contract to us. What about, though, the caveat here that you're recruited by Coach X and he decides to leave, and that's not what you signed up for? Mm Mm-hmm. Well... That's true, but what we have to do is tell them, no, you're a student athlete. You're picking a school so that you can get an education. Yeah, but if you're paid, you're not thinking I'm a student no, athlete. You no, so, that's changed everything. Well, here's the thing, though. If uh, if you're in the NFL and your coach gets fired, you don't get to leave? Yeah, you look at it, this as being the minor leagues of the NFL. Yeah, yeah. That's one way to do it. Yeah, if, if, if you're under contract, the bosses determine who your boss is. That's what I would do. If you could fix one... 
whether it be NIL or the transfer portal, which would it be? Portal. First. If you I, and I think you should fix yeah. both. But I think NIL could, works. If for you sure. fix if, if you fix if you fix the transfer portal, I don't think you have problems with NIL. Transfer portal for me, especially in football where you have guys that have to decide by January. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Do you agree with that? What would you fix? I agree. I think the transfer portal, there's definitely some things they could do to make it a little bit better so we don't have this happening in college basketball and football. Yeah. We, we just got there in, in the segment. Uh, great job today by our producer, audio <laughs> video engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Has this been a stressful day for you? You've been behind there, man. You've been grinding. and you, There's a lot of stuff going on back behind that desk. Meh, Tuesday. Oh, a Matt Tuesday. There we go. Matt Tuesday. It's a Taco Tuesday. Matt Tuesday. So, uh, but uh, we the we got the YouTube back up and working. Apparently, our YouTube crash yeah. went yes. down, but it's back. So uh, you'll be able to see T Mac. Uh, he's got to put the camera down a little bit, but you'll be oh, able to see him. What? Oh, no, oh, Randy, I, what, what did you just say? What did you just say? Well, there's a reason he loves Sonny Gray so much. Oh, no. no. All right, we got to go. We have uh, got Brooke, to go. Did, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. Uh, we want to see Always. your face. Who's saying that? You want to see my face? <laughs> we, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have yourself a great little Taco oh, Tuesday, no. everyone. No. <laughs> You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.